Hey, I'm Matt, and you're listening to That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Over Manga Cast. This week, we are revisiting Fire Force by Atsushi Okubo. We're reading chapters 21 through 38, which uh, puts us right about at the end of the Preacher Pursuit arc. If you're avoiding spoilers for some reason, uh, there you go. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and as always, at the top of the program, we like to discuss what our uh, familiarity with the franchise that we read is. Uh, we are coming back to Fire Force, so really, for me, the biggest thing that changed is uh, one of my favorite cover artists did a cover of Inferno. That's really, really good, so I, I looped that like 50 times, and now it's in my head forever. So, uh, yeah, that's about uh, the, the biggest uh, change for me. Uh, how about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat. I have not touched Fire Force since we uh, left it off last time. Um, however, I did watch the uh, anime with uh, Sam and Jay up to the point of what we've seen. So the Hibana fight, in case it's been a while since you've uh, listened to the Fire Force episode. As always, with being on Twitter, uh, Everyone talking about Fire Force ending, I have gotten some cross-pollination. Uh, nothing major that I really understand. I just recognized a character that appears in this arc. So, hmm. Jay. Uh, sure thing. So I have uh, consumed no further uh, media on Fire Force, except for the independent viewing that we had, reading, uh, uh, watching up into the point where we last left off. Um, so yeah. All right. And Jacob. Uh, yeah, same here. I haven't had the opportunity to get back around to it. Gosh, it was actually hard to stop this time because of, uh, how quick and breezy the read was, uh, in the best way. So I am seriously considering buckling down and actually, if I didn't have so many other things to read, dang it, <laughs> that is always the problem, but, uh. I mean, yeah. it is coming to an end, if not by the time this episode released, it will very shortly. It's a great time to pick it up. <laughs> I am seriously considering uh, doing some catch up on it, but uh, I haven't I haven't since the last time we read it. We left off last time after uh, the Princess Hibana fight, which was spectacular in animated form, as we uh, suspected it would be. We rejoin our heroes in Special Fire Force Company number eight out on an infernal call it's pretty standard they defeat the monster there's some sadness from the next of kin as one can expect and it seems to be pretty business as usual uh <laughs> except for the part that hibana is now uh loitering about the uh company cathedral because she wants to be near shindra she nails a voodoo doll to uh obi's locker and says shinra and and leaves a note that says shinra needs a raise or something to that effect it's uh, <laughs> has reached top tier fangirl it is exactly what you expect of princess ivana okay so this opening bit it has something that i've absolutely got to talk about because this is such a big deal so my biggest complaint with fire force last time and i hold by this for the previous reading was that they did an absolutely awful job of taking these like real world serious ideas of like grief and the bereaved and and you know what it means to you know put someone out of their misery 
and juxtaposing it way too close to really stupid jokes. Might have been fine onto themselves, but just did not work in the context of the scene that they were in because of how serious the uh, previous stuff was. This opening bit was done exactly perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like, not to say that, like, you know, I mean, it was on, like, chapter 200 by the time we had released our episode. So obviously it's, I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't want to, you know, I can't take credit for anything happening. But it does feel kind of validating that immediately after the section I criticized something for, the, the very first chapter in the next section solves that problem it makes me feel like maybe i had a bit of a point there <laughs> the thing that was so serious in the immediate scene was the next of kin of the infernal that they had just put to rest his wife specifically mm -hmm. i think she was yelling murderers give him back to me you know the rookies are making the comment of you do realize that he was already dead before we got here for all intents and purposes and then obi points out she is grieving and she can't handle it. And sometimes pe when people can't handle grief, they need to put the blame on someone. And we're here and we did put him down. So that's mm -hmm. how she's handling this this grief overwhelming her. Very somber scene, very uh, strong scene, very well done. Then they get into the matchbox and they have a, okay, now here's the anime plot contemplate, uh, contemplative phase. And then there is a beat, they move on to another scene, and then we just get a parade of absolutely, I, I don't know why these jokes got me, but absolutely freaking hilarious I, jokes. I think I think it yeah. hit better for me just because, like, that's what you get, like, this entire, like, first chunk is, like, you had that big plot arc, and now we're getting, like, a, like, a snapshot of a day in the life of, where they go mm -hmm. out, they do their job, it's real, like, somber, and it's real, like, harrowing on them, like, people are telling them they're monsters, like, murderers and everything, mm -hmm. and then they go back to the firehouse, and they have wacky hijinks with their family, because they need that. They need, like, some levity after all it. And, like, the fact that you get that, like, the job is serious, the job is serious, we're home, we're relaxing, jokes happen. We, we need we need to relieve this uh, gloomy atmosphere somehow. The night and day of jokes didn't infect scenes that were really, like, dark and serious. And, I, and like, that's something that, to a large extent goes through this entire section they do a really good job like there's one point where there's a serious scene happening and there are jokes but i think w when we'll get to it i'll explain why despite the fact that i'm not a big fan of the jokes that happen there i don't think that they ruin the tension of the scene because of how that scene is structured just like so much better i like i wanted to like fire force and now i have no reservations about it i'm very happy yeah because we we've been talking around it um the jokes are like wacky uh roommate shenanigans and then at one point habana is just like okay cool all the girls are showering now and they're like cool well i guess this fan service scene is happening and like, <laughs> if you've gotten well, this far in fire force you need to just accept what kind of genre it's going for i don't particularly care about the fan service because it's kind of out of place in my face but i'm also like acclimated to fire forces uh you know level of maturity at this point when it comes to that sort of thing so i didn't let it detract from the scene and then the joke and then the joke jokes were also quite funny and like they didn't they they didn't even really do much of the you know convenient like bubbles or hair or anything they just went with barbie they, doll anatomy yep. yeah they just did which <laughs> damn <laughs> okay <laughs> It's like it's like the, the manga doesn't care about this, so I'm not going to particularly care either. I, I mean, in all fairness, that's what you get when you don't have to publish in Jump. 
Uh, <laughs> different different magazines have different standards. Yeah, and, and we did get an absolutely great bit at the end where all the uh, all the girls are just hanging out and chatting, and Shinra's like, "Wait." Hibana, when did you become such good friends with them? And she's like, oh, we spent some naked bonding time together. <laughs> and naked bonding time? <laughs> we get an absolutely beautiful reaction image of Shinra's face. <laughs> he goes like full demon, and Arthur's just there going like, you don't look like a hero. <laughs> yeah. Leave my face out of this. So those two start arguing. The girls are chattering, and... uh. It is driving uh, Captain Obi up a wall, so Hinoa screams at all of them. <laughs> I mean, Hinoa's not happy with them either, let's be honest. <laughs> but, but he directly says, you're bothering the captain, shut he's, up. He's trying to think of a plan to deal with the very serious things going on. <laughs> also, this entire time, Hibana has been um, not so subtly trying to recruit all of the members to join her company. <laughs> well, specifically she's, she's Shinra, but anyone who wants to is free to come. <laughs> she's poaching. It's great. And, I forget uh, exactly what Obi says, but he's, he says something to the effect of like the no scouting allowed in this establishment mm -hmm. or something like that. And she keeps doing it anyway. Well, because she's Princess Hibana. Do you think she follow? Do you think she has any compunctions about following the rules? No, I, I do not. Captain Obi does come up with his uh, with his plan. <laughs> he turns to Shinra and Arthur and says, get out. I want you out of this company. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean, boss? <laughs> We're going to fire Shinra and Arthur. We're finally going to cut the dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what everybody thinks. Uh, the lieutenant is like, everyone leave the room. Get out. You're bothering Captain Obi. Slams hands on desk. That's it. Shinra, Arthur, you need to get out. What? <laughs> <laughs> Want to join Company Five? No, wait. There's some, there, there's there's strategy here. Hang on. <laughs> and I, he. I, I love the like summer camp movie. I've read the camp bylaws level of plot convenience. This is where he's just like, no, you don't understand. New recruits are allowed a one month grace period where they are allowed to act as trainees to other fire companies. And I'm like, cool. Mm -hmm. Sure. Within why not? the first year, within the first year of them joining the special fire force. That's as why a no whole. one else is allowed to join, but only those two. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Whatever. <laughs> I, I'm on board, Fire Force, okay? It's almost as if these these rules and bylaws were designed with the express purpose of justifying the uh, plot lines I, that they... <laughs> they seem to be expressly designed so that you can spy on other companies. <laughs> well, no, it's not even expressly designed to spy on other companies. It's expressly designed to facilitate this arc. Yeah. <laughs> it's even more specific than that. Well, I mean, aside from the inner infighting and politics aside, aren't they supposed to be on the same team? They were formed to be on the same team. So this very much seems like pulling out a bylaw that's not usually enforced. Yeah. But... Like, obvious, obviously they developed their own individual factions, but like when they were initially like concepted, they were supposed to be, okay, we're all supposed to be a collective. We all have different specializations, but we're all supposed to be combating, you know, human combustion. Well, that's actually, I think, I think even a layer deeper is that there weren't even supposed to be teams in the first place. This bylaw actually makes a lot of sense from that axiom because there's supposed to be a more combat oriented version of the firefighters because they're, you know, fighting living fires. 
They're fighting fire demons. The fact that they've all like turned into their own separate factions, it doesn't make sense for a bylaw like that to exist in its current context. But like they're not supposed to be like they're they're literally just supposed to be departments who cover a certain area of the city. They're not even really supposed to be territorial about it. They just are because a combination of politics and the fact that there is a nefarious plot associated with spontaneous human combustion in the first place. So uh, Obi's like, we are going to use this to our advantage. You two are going to go uh, join Company One as temporary trainees as an undercover investigation. But we have to get some other minor characters to give them a little bit of extra panel time. Otherwise, it will be suspicious of what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I I understand how they get Bubble Boy because he works for Habana. How do they get Potato? How do they how do they get Juggernaut? Um, I don't remember. I don't know either. what company he's from. Is the he kind thing of just, he kind of just pops up and is just like, yeah, I'm trying to prove myself. I think. And- I think what they ultimately explain is they only planned on getting the bubble blowing guy, and Juggernaut just also happened to be like, hey, they're they're doing one of those training things. I'll I'll do that. He is from uh, Fire Company too, by the way. Ah. Who I, I only remember because that is the bald guy with the flaming head. <laughs> oh, that's right. And there was the the bit about w- was he bald first or did his scalp light on fire mm-hmm. bit. Um, a fun bit. <laughs> it is. Oh, no, it's a really fun bit. I like it. Incidentally, not ultra relevant. <laughs> this element of the story is not ultra relevant. They do point out that like they weren't they were planning on just sending three people, the two people from Company 8 and the one person from Company 5, because those were the less than a year time people they had available. And it just so happened that when word got around that they were enacting that bylaw, you know, hey, this guy in Company 2 wanted to do it as well. It's like, that's perfect cover. He has plausible deniability. He doesn't even know this is a mission. It makes a lot sense for Noto too, because his entire thing is he does not want to go on missions. He is terrified of actual fire. One month of training? Cool. That's not real things. I get to be protected. Exactly. (laughs) It's great. So our heroes uh arrive at uh company one which is sun worship notre dame it looks like just it's the tip of the iceberg yeah we've we yeah. got an entire iceberg of the sun cult to talk about at the end of this uh yeah this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh i have many a dark souls joke prepared this is gonna be great <laughs> we'll get there uh stay tuned for the discussion when we talk about this <laughs> there are these holy uh Saul obelisk monuments and like each of them is the size of the washington monument <laughs> and there's least. four of them but sam do you even praise the sun uh yes i'm pretty sure he is actually a sun bro <laughs> way of the blue by the way anyone who was wondering about me or uh blue sentinel rather our uh heroes such as they are are uh signed up for the training and they uh start meeting up with the various uh lts including <laughs> our boy lieutenant kareem flam who uh repeats himself a lot okay so here's another interesting point where i I have to compare with the last session fire force is still on that line of gimmick overload even now i don't think they quite broke me this time but they got close the only thing i i want to like note when it comes to gimmicks is lieutenant flam was actually hard to read his sentences on occasion and i had to do double takes it like it doesn't it doesn't heard it in universe because strictly speaking it's not that different from like the the yoda vocal tech for example the people in universe also need to double take when he says something like yeah so (laughs) i didn't mind it that much but 
there were there were the odd occasion where I'm like reading a sentence in the manga and like my brain gets scrambled and I just have to stop, reset, and read again. And he's sometimes also, that can be a little bit annoying. He's he's also particularly egregious with it when he's first introduced. Oh yeah, that is the hardest of it. But it it kind of evens out. Yeah. It's almost worse when it evens out because he'll talk regularly for so long and then he'll end a, a sentence with doing the gimmick and that's when it's the most mentally jarring. It's one of those ones where it's like, I personally find this mildly annoying. It's not a problem with the series. I just don't like having to reread the speech bubble twice. <laughs> Company one, Captain Burns, and Shinra is immediately like, 1v1 me. <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his spy mission goes about as well as getting up to the main boss and is like, hey, fight me 1v1. And if I win, you'll answer one of my questions. And well, that's sort of that's actually sort of the nice thing, because Shinra goes up to him and is like, uh, I want a sparring match. And it's like, you know, like there is that whole like he's he's going directly for it. But to be to be fair to Shinra, the the situation like everyone knows there's a lot of distrust and Shinra has already expressed he wants to know something from Captain Burns. I believe he even specifically mentioned uh, the fire that killed his family and supposedly killed uh, Sho. So like it, it's not even it's not even like it's a well-kept secret what Shinra is actually after. And the other thing I liked about it is Shinra recognized this guy is way stronger than me. He doesn't want to beat him in a 1v1 fight for answers. He says, if I can land a hit on you, you'll answer my question, which, you know, I I, I really like that because, you know, for as, um you know, like, like Shinra has a lot of place, you know, a lot of space to grow into, you know, the hero he wants to be, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, this isn't one of those. It, it was a good step on the journey because he's able to accurately assess that. No, I can't beat this guy. <laughs> Uh, and then we get a little exhibition match of the uh, the lieutenants versus some of the other side characters. They essentially just go, OK, well, if Shinra's fighting the captain, everyone else fights our top three guys. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have uh, poor Juggernaut versus uh, Lieutenant Rekka, who's very enthusiastic and always wants you to do your best. Try harder. You can do it. That's amazing. Man has stars for pupils. Like <laughs> there is no bigger man and in his and in his speech bubbles. Yeah, there there is no bigger like shonen protagonist than uh, uh, Rekka. Uh, because he uses his fists, you could argue that he also has a Rekka. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fighting yeah. game joke. <laughs> he is. He has a justice fist mentality like he he punches with fire. Uh, Juggernaut's like, no, I don't actually know what I'm doing. I hate this. I'm just generating fire rockets. Ah! And Rekka just dodges all of them. Lieutenant Flam was like, uh, when this inevitably gets out of control, you're you're going to make me clean up this mess, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, but I know you will because you've always got my back. And uh, he dodges all of them. And Flam is like, don't dodge literally all of them. You're making me do everything. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I know what you're thinking, dear listener. You're like, huh, man, last Fire Force, they started complaining about how some of the characters' powers made no sense and were barely related to Fire at all. <laughs> but these guys all seem really straightforward. Well, that's where what? Flam comes in. He's got the entire <laughs> Flam, Flam, of, kabam. of this power makes sense because I read one scientific article about something and extrapolated it to a point that it probably no longer works. But, you know, he's my favorite. 
<laughs> There's an article that backs me up, so you can't criticize me. <laughs> I I saw what his power was, and I'm like, this is either someone did Google Foo, or mm-hmm. they made this up whole cloth. And I looked it up. It does actually work the way he describes. Yes, I, I believe I, it. It's just it doesn't do it, it like it. It doesn't make ice spears. <laughs> we, we were literally. We were literally talking about this earlier about how, yes, in yes, in theory and in practice, this concept is actionable. However, I would argue that there is not significant evidence to demonstrate that it would be this severe, this extreme of turning literal flame to ice, not not cooling flame, which would be different flame to ice yeah it's uh it goes 180 from i found one scientific experiment that justifies my point of view thus fire equals ice is the full like justification well well, fire fire plus sound equals ice okay yeah let's describe what the actual power set is because it is it is thermoacoustic cooling flam uses a bell and a weird giant brass instrument thing that looks like it's something out of a dr seuss book to create sound waves you mean a sousaphone yeah tuba it, it, those exist I, I know but this is clearly not one of those it's modified be magic it's it's wacky like a dr seuss version of those yes he uses the bell to like draw the fire into the uh the weird tuba thing and it comes out the other side as ice. The real world principle it's working on is um, because heat is air molecules moving and sound is a regular wave of air molecules moving, heat and sound will actually interact with each other. And there are real world refrigerators that you can actually buy that do work on this principle. Uh, And they are actually um, fairly efficient and uh, they don't require a lot of moving parts. So they're very easy to maintain. Um, I didn't go that deep into Wikipedia to know this for sure, but I assume that because it has something to do with sound waves, you know, rattling your rafters is probably something to do with the reason why it's not widespread in use. But (laughs) it is actually, you can like get a refrigerator that works on this concept. Is this better or worse than um, our lieutenant Hinawa oh, changing the tra- trajectory of bullets? Don't, don't, start- don't get me started on the bullet Hinawa gets away with later. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll have a rant compared to how his power does that when we get there. So as as stupid extreme levels of pyrokinesis lets us do full on magic nonsense, this is like this is like a seven and a half. <laughs> this is fire makes me do ice. Ow, tuba. Okay. Okay. I, cool. They spend an entire page doing, doing Here, this explanation. <laughs> if I had been given the level of explanation bubble blowing guy did or uh the lieutenant like i would have been fine with that because they just offhandedly mentioned yeah my firepower lets me do this cool this guy goes on an entire rant about like you idiot didn't you know about thermal acoustic cooling geez everyone who's smart knows how it works and i'm just like yeah i do know about it it doesn't work like this you don't (laughs) it definitely doesn't work as efficiently as this anyway we've complained about him Uh, he absorbs all the fire and turns it into ice 
<laughs> yeah. The next fight would be him, Lieutenant Flam, against the bubble blowing guy, and they both immediately are like, I don't care. <laughs> and, since, and since from a narrative structure, we've already got a demonstration of Lieutenant Flam, they just move on. I, I appreciate that. That is a level of like, hey, we're giving the audience what they want. This guy doesn't want to fight. Done. Let's yeah, I liked that. <laughs> So we skip straight to uh, Captain Burns. And despite Shinra being like 1v1, he's like, nah, now nah, 2v1 you and Arthur. Okay? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> a worthy challenge for a knight such as myself. Now, hold on. This is the hand I eat my rice bowl with. And this is the hand I hold my chopsticks with. Now I know which hand my sword goes into. Oh my god, Arthur is such a dumbass. I love I love Arthur so much, and all of you are wrong for not loving him as much as me. <laughs> the best part is it's quick and yes. it calls back to that gag in a mm -hmm. in an entertaining way and also kind of shows a bit of character development in Arthur. Yeah. It it shows that he is indeed a dumbass. So, so Arthur's right-handed, right? Yeah, but also he's self-aware enough that he is able to uh, recognize that he made that mistake and doesn't want to make it again. Mm -hmm. Again, Arthur would have been probably would have been my favorite character if Fire Force did, didn't try to take itself as seriously. And Circa Arthur isn't a good series, isn't a good character for Fire Force and should be in something else. If Fire Force really wants to be that like dark and grim and, you know, gritty and whatnot. But because they they didn't like smooth over that joke and pretend it didn't happen, but they also toned it down to a degree that it didn't get in the way of, you know, getting on with things, which is basically the best possible way of handling that situation. So I really it, it was one of those ones where like I didn't personally laugh at the joke, but I appreciated that they like, you know, they didn't like chicken out on it or anything, you know, Arthur goes in to slash it burns with his laser sword. And he's like, actually, are you sure you want to do this? You don't have like, you could lose an arm. And he's like, no, that's not going to be a problem. As he bare hand catches Excalibur. Excalibur is the finest sword. How could you possibly catch it with your bare hands? I'll do you one better. Extinguishes it and knocks Arthur back. Not even Maki can do that. How? Very perplexed. And then uh, uh, Shinra uh, goes in for a hit. That Metal Gear Rising Revengeance song starts playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit of uh, the Raiden versus uh, Armstrong meme as Shinra's just trying to land as many blows as he can, but it's not working. Burns doesn't flinch, uh, asks Shinra why he became a fire soldier. And when Shinra says, because I want to be a hero and save people from spontaneous human combustion all right well you've got a long way to go so uh sit down and kicks him like halfway across the field i'm gonna go all out then as his eye begins to glow with flame beneath his eye patch <laughs> it's really cool he is cool i would follow this man wherever he went well i, I think uh, he's the villain um <laughs> I'm just but, saying, in the moment, it looks so magnificent and so just captivating. It'd be just like, yes. You know what? You're right. I I, <laughs> I guess we haven't seen anything that proves he is the villain. Yeah, we, we don't know he's, for sure yet, but... I mean, some characters will pop up and you're like immediately like, this dude is a villain. He's definitely got villain energy and is antagonistic towards our crew. And for reasons we'll get to later, he is... I mean, if it's Arthur, I completely forgive him. 
but <laughs> it's a little harsh. We'll, we'll get to who the act, who the villain that is fought in this uh, particular section is later, and uh, how that person is connected to Burns. Right now, um, oh my gosh, his name is Mister Burns. Yeah, Captain Burns. <laughs> well, he joined oh the army. He was tired of that joke. Oh <laughs> Yeah, the, the thing about Burns is um, he basically where we are at this point is it's it's a it's a 50 50 toss up between he is one of the major villains or he's doing the like, I'm going to beat you into character growth sort of mentor mentality. And honestly, I could see either one They're they're mm-hmm. either he's either a main villain or they're setting him up purposefully to be a red herring to like take away like, ah, yes, he wasn't aware, but also he was a huge dick for no reason. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, like the way that the way that he was talking to Shinra, it really does come off as either he's trying to he's trying to break the threat. He's trying to make Shinra grow. And if it's the latter, then that seems more like a death flag to me. But <laughs> that, that seems more like a, a dead mentor incoming because I don't think they're no. killing Obi. I, uh, I mean, here's the problem. Making Shinra grow might also be the villains. Get, we'll, we'll get to why that might be also. Yeah, well, Fair point. Yep, we'll we'll get to the Sun Pope in the exposition dump later, but uh, right now... Ed, we've got a lot to talk about the Sun Cult. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Right now, uh, what I do like is that Lieutenant Flam goes up to uh, our our main boys, and he's like, yeah, you guys didn't stand a chance, but you put up a decent showing despite that, so uh, you actually have a chance to really grow and become uh, impressive fire soldiers. Keep at it. But he says it in when that with that weird vocal tick and like his typical deadpan expression. And Shindra's like, oh, th- thank you for the encouragement. Arthur. What? <laughs> Arthur does not understand anything that Lieutenant Flam says at any point in all of this. Look, Ar- <laughs> Arthur is working on one core processing information. You can't you can't throw too much at him. <laughs> Arthur is is buffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like literally, I can see I can see the little wheel of doom. B- b- buddy, 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 I'm not a calculator here. You're giving me math problems. I make toast. <laughs> I make toast. <laughs> Arthur's literally a toaster because they have fire powers. Yep. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Bread pops out of me. Hey. <laughs> Time for breakfast. We get just a little bit of um, okay. Now we're here at the at uh, Company One's uh, place. There, there's a bit about nobody uses bunk beds anymore. Someone could fall and get hurt when there's an emergency. No. only a really unsafe company would do that we use it all the time no one gets hurt you get hurt every morning so do you (laughs) it's pretty great yeah Uh, that that tracks and then uh daddy uh hinawa comes to check in on his boys uh, (laughs) i love this i love this scene on so many levels Apparently, uh, Lieutenant Hinawa has been showing up every morning uh, outside the barracks uh, in order to check on Shinra and Arthur to the point where Shinra, like a week into the uh, training. It's been five days straight so far. He's like, Lieutenant, I really appreciate it, but we are trying to be subtle here <laughs> and to, to, the, to the point where the the guard can already recognize oh you're gonna go check on your boys right oh, the <laughs> nuns giggling about how cute he is for checking in on his subordinates is the best part it's and he, you know what here's this it says thank you i do my best 
And then and then he goes over to Hibana, who is also here for some reason, which is a hilarious joke. But the thing that really made me love this, because that was a funny joke and I enjoyed that for the for the comedy beat. Kinoa goes over to Hibana and is like and, you know, he watches the nuns leave. And as soon as it's just the two of them, he's like, they don't give a damn we're here. They're not afraid of an investigation. I don't think that there's anything in their compound that can be found because if there was, they would be concerned about me showing up every day or us showing up every day. And like that was it was such a funny joke. But then it's like, but there was purpose to it. It wasn't just a humor beat that meant nothing. They were scouting, which was I, I thought that that was really cool layering it that way. Yeah, no, it, it was it's very good. And I do like how uh, Hibana and Hinawa are just kind of chill <laughs> with each <laughs> other. Well, I mean, when Shinra's involved, you gotta have to be. He's not gonna let anyone touch Shinra. Yeah. They both care about Shinra in their own, you know, different ways. <laughs> look, 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 look. Hibana's got a problem with his boyfriend. Not with Hinoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That comes exactly. later, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, general shenanigans are happening. Uh, one thing we did forget to mention is there is uh, a little bit of a teaser panel as uh, one of the... We know it's one of the captain or one of the company one lieutenants because we see the boots and the, and the like we signature see the robe cloak that they wear. We specifically see a part of a shoulder because there's a there's a bit that comes up later that uh, there was a distinguishing feature on one of their robes that I went back to previous panels to see if you could catch that to figure out who it is early. And the way it's paneled is particularly uh, set up to avoid uh, showing that particular section of the robe. I'll I'll mention in detail one, once we get there, we're pretty close to it. But yeah, uh, this mysterious figure uh, is on the phone saying the infernalization is going as as planned. The new recruits show some promise and they are obviously investigating us. If they get in the way, I will have to kill them. Now, if you'll excuse me, evangelist. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Uh, excuse me, Evanescence. <laughs> No. <laughs> do not wake me up do not wake me up inside <laughs> oh but i like that song everyone likes that song and anyone who says they don't is lying to themselves feel free to at jay on twitter yes <laughs> but um Let, let's summon that uh uh tulpa of a rage demon again there is an emergency call going out yeah, yeah. We, we got a tease of someone called the evangelist and then uh it had been a quiet five days since they got there, which is which was strange because um, Company One had been dealing with like not daily, but they've been dealing with semi-regular like multiple infernal incidents all happening simultaneously. Yeah. I, I think also we, we probably didn't really connect um, the scale between Company Eight and Company One is ridiculous. Company One has like full dormitories and mm. oh yeah, they have a whole store. compound. Yeah, we've got like nuns everywhere, as opposed to Company Eight only having one nun. Like, well, like Company Eight, Company Eight is one building, and it's a it's it's a small rundown building. Company One is an entire compound. Mm -hmm. There are uh, like 10 ish foot, like, you know, like perimeter walls. Some might yeah. ask why. But <laughs> yeah, it is incredibly impressive. And 
a little suspicious. And also, uh, I don't think we actually explained the reason why Company One is the target of their undercover investigation. It's because uh, Company One's jurisdiction has been seeing a lot of multi-infernal outbreaks. It's not just one random person going up. It is several simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Which, and, is, which is unusual. And there is one mm-hmm. thing that I think we should just note right now because it's interspersed through a lot of different places. And if we try to place it, each of like the individual pieces of this, it will break up everything else in a really uh, hard to listen to way. Um, we get a lot of intercut stuff with um, uh, Hinoa, uh, Hibana, and Obi talking amongst the three of them, where what we learn is there has been several cases where some of the multi-inferno infernal incidents have been happening not in places uh, accessible to the public. They've been specifically Mm -hmm. places that only company one should have access to under regular circumstances. And it's like that happens. That happens one time, maybe two. You could say that somebody broke into a place that they weren't supposed to. Like that's that's weird, but not necessarily that suspicious. But it's happened multiple times at this point. And it's really starting to look very, very, very suspicious. Like everyone's eyes are on company one all of a sudden. It's it's like if company one went to the casino and kept winning at blackjack. Technically, I guess they really could just be that lucky and keep winning, but most likely they're counting cards. And another thing is, uh, you know, some of these infernal incidents just seem to be random happenstance. There is reason to believe that uh, the ones happening specifically around Company One are artificial, as in someone is manually causing people to become infernals. Well, yeah, that's that's why the multiple people going infernal at once is assumed to be artificial just because like otherwise the sheer random happenstance of that. But there is also another factor that has added to the suspicion because, again, this is this is part of the it gets interspersed through a lot of places because there's like a there's a whammy panel of us seeing this in action where uh, uh, which is honestly right about where we are anyway, which is why I don't mind saying. Um, Also, hopefully you've already uh, uh, read the section, uh, dear listener, but um, we get a whammy panel of a of someone putting a bug on a civilian. And as Hibana is mentioning to Obi, some of the uh, infernal corpses that we've been able to obtain from the um, company one area have had foreign DNA, insect DNA. Mm-hmm. Like Shinra and Arthur are told, stay here, observe. We have a chain of command. We don't want to mess with it. You're here to see how we do things, so, you know, just hold back for us. And um, whilst everyone is off doing their own thing, um, Shinra notices out of an alley, there is a uh, there's a civilian whose back is turned towards an alley, and he sees someone in a lieutenant's uniform place something like like the audience gets a close actually no shinra also apparently has better than 2020 vision he has he has 2010 vision uh, yeah and he sees the bug come out of the little glass jar uh crawl onto the civilian and he suddenly goes infernal arthur immediately notices at that point and both he and shinra head towards the infernal but shinra goes around the infernal um using his mobility to chase after the suspect yes um Unfortunately, going down this alley, he doesn't manage to catch up to the suspect quite in time, and he goes into uh, an area where he sees two of the lieutenants. It's Lieutenant Flam and Rekka. 
Is it both of them? Is it just one of them? How do we decide who to attack? Uh, and actually, Shinra does a uh, shockingly wise thing for a shonen protagonist, and he doesn't immediately start throwing around accusations and leaping into combat, which is what Arthur tries to do. Yeah. Oh, Arthur wants to solve this problem at the head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, Arthur. Well, Arthur doesn't entirely know what's going on. I, I wonder if he entirely understands he's on a secret mission. Um, he's really, just he kind does. of there. Because in the very next section, he's super prepared for being on a secret mission. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He, he's, he, he's not he, super consistent about it. He job changes from knight to assassin. Oh, God. <laughs> Looking like we're out of uh, Eden Zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's some Eden Zero shenanigans there. Oh, God. If Arthur was in Eden Zero, he'd he'd be a contender for top tier. I'd love that. Yeah. So um, Arthur, Arthur didn't see any of the suspicious stuff going on. He just saw someone go infernal. So he has no clue what's going like. He was, he was like, uh, Shinra, the infernal is right here standing in front of me. Where are you going? You know, once he sees the two lieutenants, he immediately clams up about it because he knows, mm -hmm. you know, if both of them are in on it, then if I say anything, they will just kill me. Like they will just kill me right here. <laughs> And I, there's nothing I can do about it. He mentions the Infernal that he saw that there was one outside of the perimeter that had been created and handled it and then subsequently got lost, which uh, for Arthur will become a theme. They managed to not arouse too much suspicion. They complete the, uh, the call. They head back. Arthur changes from knight to assassin. <laughs> and they decide to... Uh, investigate some of the rooms of the lieutenants in question and they start my with favorite, uh, my favorite part about that job change joke is the very next panel he goes nope i'm a hero <laughs> and switches back to being a knight after yeah. shinra points out after all your obsession with knights i'm a knight again as <laughs> <So> he <laughs> takes the hood off <laughs> he just takes the hood off um but yeah arthur has um honestly it's it's a pretty clever bit where he has smaller disposable versions of the um the the focus that he uses for uh excalibur mini excalibur yeah unfortunately in order to shrink it down it has to be made out of weak plastic so it's useless after the first attack but it's perfect for uh precision jobs like cutting open the lock on a door <laughs> you idiot he'll know we're here <laughs> I mean, Shinra's response is, you idiot, now he'll know we're here. Now he'll know someone broke in. Did you think that we would be able to make any headway in this investigation if we weren't ready to take risks? How naive, Wait. Shinra. Which, which, in all honesty, I really I, like that response because he's not wrong. Yeah, no, I actually really liked that. I'm like, damn, Arthur actually out here asking tough questions. Ar Arthur's <laughs> a decisive boy. He he mm -hmm. picks a path and he goes down it and he's like, cool, we're being sneaky assassins. We're doing this. Don't chicken out on me. Sounds like you're chickening out. As like, mm -hmm. how are we going to break into this locked case? Slice. <laughs> he, he just do, like like he just does it like Shinra isn't even there. <laughs> Oh my god, and this, it leads to my favorite two-panel spread of them, like, looking in, and inside the drawer is one of the bugs in a, um, the bugs they've been investigating, these little, like, fire bugs in a jar, and, like, a full big old file on human, or man-made infernal combustion, and as they are looking at this, the door is just wide open, and standing in there is, um, Flam, and he's just like, well, 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 <laughs> you very clearly broken into my room. 
both of the boys are ready to just jump him because he's obviously the villain, right? And he says, fortunately, I was already aware of the buggy bugs, so I bugged the bug by placing it in my room so that you bugs would come investigate. Oh, oh my God, I love this logic because it's essentially like, ah, I see you found that crack cocaine in my drawer. That's because I'm secretly hunting the people who smoke crack cocaine. Not because I do it, no. That's someone else's. And I'm like, okay, buddy. It turns out he's telling the truth, but that is the level of his explanation. <laughs> it's very funny. Well, well, we'll we'll get to that later. We get a thing where Flam is like, so that's what the whole coming out of the alleyway thing was, huh? The only two people in the uh, at the end of that alley were me and Rekka, and I didn't want to think it was true, but. I did suspect, in spite of how much I, I trust and care about him, that he might be the one behind this. And specifically, the detail that I had noticed is that Rekka actually had uh, some stitching for, over a rip in his uh, robes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, wa I wanted to go back and see if you could see where the stitching would be. So then if there was no stitching, then it was Flam. And if it, there was stitching, it was Rekka. The panel is framed in a very specific way to not show you the section on the robe where the stitching would be. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I guess this is a good enough time for me to ask as any, because I, um, whenever we get Flam and Rekka, they're always shown this like same picture of them entering the force together, where it's them as part of a trio of friends. Mm -hmm. Who is the third guy? I know he shows up, but I don't remember anything about him. <laughs> I think his name is Lee. He Does, he he shows up. He shows up later. He was also part of the reason why the scrap that Shinra started went so quickly, because Bubblegum Man said, I, I got nothing to show off. And Lee said, I don't like doing uh, pointless fights. Oh, he and, was the guy who do does. OK, cool. So, so Jacob forgot. <laughs> I, I forgot he was well. I no I forgot he was the one who did that because I did I I I remember when he actually does do stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm just saying at this point they always bring up that like ah yes us three were inseparable friends and I'm like bro I don't know who yeah. one of these characters is. By by the end of our reading, Lieutenant Lee does show up to uh, lend a hand. God damn it. He does show up, and I, I was also Sam. unaware of who he was at that point. <laughs> Sam, too soon. <laughs> they basically come to the conclusion that the only people who have coats like them are... Actually, Arthur found this out by asking some nuns, is that mm. the only people who have coats like this are the three lieutenants. They've got, like, the priest cloaks or whatever. Yeah. And they come to the conclusion, it's got to be Rekka. Well, we got to go confront him. He's like, can't. He's out on patrol. What? Well, yeah, he took Kamaki with him. Yeah, didn't you hear there's been a bunch of disappearances of children lately? And dear reader, I I need to let you know the next panel where it goes. Tamaki is the secret person luring these children into abandoned warehouse. Hilarious. But then, <laughs> in the greatest twist of anime history, no one could have possibly seen this coming. It turns out that a priest was abusing children. Wow. I never would have suspected such a thing was possible. Oh, Incredible. Dear. Wait a minute. Isn't the fire force heavily based off of Catholicism as well? Or <laughs> In the same way that like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I not get too topical. I, yeah, it's. 
I don't know, dude. We got to talk about the fire cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, got, we still got to talk about the fire cult. But uh, yeah, the other... there's this. There, there is this beautiful, uh, <laughs> beautiful in the most in uh, as an insane panel of the two kids walking home from school. One of them mentioned hey, something. Kid, you of... want some candy? <laughs> Tamaki want... just leaning in with this incredibly menacing <laughs> framing. Just, oh, they, they set Tamaki up to be like, oh, you thought it was Rekka. No. <laughs> I will say, I will say, and again, hopefully, dear reader, you've done the, the reading. Uh, shockingly, they didn't make the cute girl the villain. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I kind of wish that she was actually in on it entirely because you don't see that ever happen. <laughs> and like, cute girls can be evil. Mm -hmm. what happened instead i'm also on board with it's it's really more of an opportunity cost thing rather than a, yeah. any kind of problem i i did skip over some bits to set up my joke but um <laughs> um so essentially what happens is there's been uh children who've been disappearing and it's cuts to tamaki who is luring these children into an abandoned warehouse under the premise that they will be kept safe from internal from infernal combustion because Rekka has claimed that he has finally divined the prayer that makes people immune from turning into infernals. And I'm like, good job, Rekka. You have literally solved the world's problems by yourself. <laughs> this is an entirely believable thing. And in all fairness, the manga does do its work. We've skipped over it a bit, but like it does put in the work to at least show you Tamaki respects Rekka so much mm -hmm. like she's like she is actively infatuated with him there there is hero worship on display here yeah so she's like yeah, yeah of course he he's he's also one of the top three um like priests at the company so like if someone could do something magnificent I guess it's probably him essentially what it then turns out is um this is not a prayer to make you immune to fire. This is we're going to light these children on fire with bugs because one of them might be special. He doesn't explain a whole lot of it. I don't think he could explain a whole lot of yeah. it. He's uh he's drunk the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, he's drunk the Kool-Aid hard. He basically says like one of them should be able to contain the spark as in they'll get they'll get stung by the bug and then not explode into an infernal. Once Everybody realizes what's really going on. Rekka, um, <clears throat> like Rekka starts off by hugging uh, Tamaki hard enough to knock her out. And <clears throat> then that's the point where one of the kids moms is there and she's like, this is starting to seem kind of suspicious. We're going to go. At which point the year award right there. This is when it started seeming <laughs> suspicious. Not when we followed the priest into an abandoned building. No, it was when he choked out his his um young female assistant. Yeah, yeah, teenage assistant. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he immediately infernal bugs her. And uh, when she goes up, he instantly puts her down well i didn't think that would work but it was worth a try anyway now on to the kids and uh props to fire force they uh, they do some child murder uh yeah mm -hmm. they they don't shy away from it again it's it's one of those things where like yep. i don't think it's unreasonable to say fire force wants to have a dark tone it's really dark yeah he he infernalizes one of the kids 
it's uh it's something uh it's it's very gruesome it's really well done mm-hmm. now he actually he actually tried to kill tamaki but she uh no he wa- he didn't he didn't want to kill her specifically he wanted to leave her knocked out in that location so that she would oh. take the fall for him he, he was gonna make it look like a suicide later so he wanted her unconscious to kill her later the- his plan for setting her up to take the fall did not make sense to me, but well, he's also kind of unhinged, so I don't think it matters. I was going to say he's an extraordinarily sane person who who is making good decisions with his life, generally speaking. <laughs> so look, you listen to Evanescence a little too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he's able to uh, get a, a second kid with the uh, infernalizing bugs. This kid doesn't go infernal. Mm-hmm. Well, kind um, of does, and then it snaps back in. Yeah, he he's able to get it under control, and uh, ooh, I found one! I've I've finally succeeded! Hurrah! Um, and that's the point when uh, Tamaki Tamaki had woken up, uh, I think, to see the first kid die, mm-hmm. um, but she wasn't in a condition to do anything about it, and that's when we get the I was planning on making you take the fall, and like he has that, like he has that, um uh oh you're i'm i'm so thankful for you doing this for me as she's like bleeding from her mouth and stuff um yeah so tamaki props to her attempts to stop him but she loses that fight pretty quickly well that's the thing is she wasn't actually attempting to stop him it turns out Mm. she was making it look Mm. like she was going to fight him while also flaring off her power like in a giant spire it was it she she did try to stop him at first when he slapped her down. That was when she uh, yeah. switched to plan B, that very clever plan B. When he slapped her down and started kicking the shit out of her while she was on the ground. He's like curb stomping her. There is uh, onomatopoeias of bones breaking. It is brutal what he does. A very sane individual we have here. Um, Indeed. In the and- greatest plot twist of all time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, Tamaki does use her tail fires to send up a flare uh, for assistance. Thankfully, Shinra happens to be flying around the area looking for Rekka. So just as Rekka's about to go and infernalize another kid, uh, our our favorite devil drops in from the sky and kicks the hell out of oh. him. When, when he drops down, he's got this cool fire effect of like the wings of an avenging angel. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. and, and the, and the uh, shadowed silhouette of his eyes and the toothy smile. Yeah, I got to say, this fight has some of the best glamour shots in this entire manga that we've read so far oh my god I, that's exactly like, what i was gonna it, say it's, it's this fight is amazing like mm-hmm. i've got a lot i l- would like to say about this fight like <laughs> often the art is uh, oftentimes I, i'm not saying like the art is bad because it's not it's good but it's, it's, most, it's stylized it's most, yeah it's, it's stylized and it's mostly just serviceable in you know scenes when talking is happening but okubo goes hard on these fight scenes mm. and it's beautiful i got a lot of helsing vibes not in the sense of the art style being similar but the way that like light and shadow was used to create cool like like images you know um mm. there's of course i i think i think the best one was um uh, Sam put this in our Discord, the image of Shinra right before the um, right before the fight happens. Rekka opposing that 
is mm -hmm. also like uh, an unbelievably cool panel and the way that like Shinra's whole body is like blacked out in shadow and it does the like the eyes and the toothy grin thing um, and he has like the like flame wings coming off of his feet and stuff and like Rekka has like a the right left opposed um, mm -hmm. you know hero villain imagery. Yeah can we talk about the hero villain imagery in this fight because I think that's my favorite part is like the way this fight is set up is you have Obstentially, like they made Rekka out to be irredeemably like crazy, like he is evil, evil, evil. Coming from a person who doesn't really believe in the concept of evil, like that's yeah, like, this guy is evil and he is being fought by Shinra who wants to be a hero. And like the motivations are opposed on that end, but like the way they're designed could not be the opposite. Like Rekka is a in like a holy priest garb using fire punches as he's like shouting out justice like all his attacks are justice based he's got the stars in his eyes justice fest he's your go-to like shonen protagonist i am the hero meanwhile you've got shinra jumping in who because he uses his feet to kick is on all fours through most of the battle he's got this like bestial appearance and he's just like yeah. it is it is a hero versus a villain except they are stylized in the opposite way Rekka mm -hmm. is drawn as the hero and Shinra is drawn as like a demon effectively. Well, isn't that in line with how the first chunk that we read was a pen? Yeah, the, the devil's footprints. Like the, yes. that's the thing is, is Shinra wants to be a hero, but everything about his moveset is making him a, like Not come just out. Moves, like it's a also his also appearance. The fact mm -hmm. that he has like pointy shark like teeth and the fact that whenever he's feeling nervous, he has that very guilty looking smirk that comes on his face. He looks yeah. tried yeah. and true like a villain. And I, I think that's just portrayed in this fight so well because you get that like flip of like what is actually happening with what you're watching. Because here's the thing, I bet if you showed someone this fight without like any context of the characters, they might think it's supposed to be the other way around because it's... Well, that's actually something I was going to mention because the thing that I thought was that elevates that from being a cool stylistic choice of making the good guy look like the bad guy and the bad guy look like the good guy because of the way that the paneling is framed and because of the way that uh, the the character designs are presented in the images they're in. You do have like these like villain flags on Shinra and these hero flags on Rekka. But at the same time, there is sort of a, uh, you know, swooping in like sort of heroic element to the way that uh, Shinra is mm -hmm. is shown like opposing it his like villain aesthetic and Rekka looks really really freaking threatening despite the fact that like all of the like individual elements of his character design says he should be a hero the thing that I like most about it is if you were to show just for example uh take the speech bubbles away and show uh someone who knows nothing about fire force just the image of uh Rekka and Shinra opposing like with those opposing um stances right before they actually begin their fight. I feel like mm -hmm. it would be like, like it wouldn't be 100% people would think Shinra is, is the bad guy. It'd be like 60, 40 people thinking Shinra is the bad guy because they both kind of look evil. It looks like a villain fight. One of the things that happens is they have their cool uh, pose standoff as uh, after the initial scrap and Shinra is um, flaring up his feet and the bug inside the jar is reacting to the flames which means something to Rekka. It means that Shinra has 
the Adola burst, the unsullied flame. And what which, does this mean, you might ask? I don't well, know. He is the Kwisatz Abarak. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what it means. All I know is I started playing the the, the Gwyn boss music. <laughs> Excuse me, Jacob. The difference would be the Queen's Exeterac has established lore for what they are capable of doing. Uh, what the Adondola Burst is something even scientists cannot tell the difference between. It is different. How you say it, you ask? We don't know. Science cannot know. And I'm like, what? As, well, to, okay. They say science has not yet determined, but like, yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, I'm just. I'm just saying. Protagonist when, mysticism. When one of these flames is worthy of being kept in a nuclear reactor and not just in a <laughs> fireplace, maybe there is a scientific difference you could determine there. I. <laughs> I, I think that sentence was dumb, but. <laughs> Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> but this this is somehow a more pure fire, a spark that comes directly from the sun god, or at least that's their belief. That's that's the and, cultists belief. That's what that's how they phrase it. And Rekka says that I have been trying to find the spark of an Adola burst in children for years now. And Shinra is like, Clean in children? in children how many so so the fire so the fire that hibana and iris were the only ones to survive how many people have you killed it doesn't matter it's a small sacrifice to our ultimate goal speaking of Rekka being unfathomably evil you know you know i'm gonna bite um what mayhaps is the ultimate goal we will make this world pure. We will remove the fear of flames from humanity by turning all humans into flame. The earth will be burned and wreathed in holy fire. It will be a second sun. Yep. I mean, he's not wrong. You will remove the fear of fire. Oh. And, then, <laughs> and then everyone who's read Soul Eater was like, wait, a second sun? Yep. Oh no. <laughs> well, we get we get a really cool image of when he when he gives that uh that speech at the end of that. We get a a fun whammy panel. I've only seen like I've I've read a couple of chapters of Soul Eater. I've I've seen a little bit of Soul Eater stuff, but like a, a whammy panel of that sort of like uncanny valley, like you know early Renaissance uh you know face mm -hmm. sun. Just like in a splash page. You're going to make the planet into a star. He says with the stars in his eyes and the stars in his speech bubbles. Enters such a religious zeal at this point that he is overcharging his fire attack. His fire fests burn my star fest uh, to the point where even though he is a third generation pyrokinetic and, you know, relatively immune to fire as a result, Shinra's like, you're going to burn yourself to ash if you keep doing this. This is getting into the second phase of the fight. There was another bit where the uh, the whole Lucky Letcher lore thing happened. I didn't find those jokes particularly funny, but they happened. But the reason why it didn't take me out of the moment like uh, the previous section had is I think the thing that it did well is that there was a noticeable break in the fight. Because we get we get a first section where it's it's just a really 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 cool shonen fight and there's like a break in the fight where shinra is like okay i have assessed my skill relative to my opponent i am mildly screwed right now got it 
I'm going to have to try something crazy. And as he's like coming to this realization, that's when they do like the, the joke bit to break it up. But there's like a, a, a clearly delineated next phase of the fight. And I mean, Tamaki's in her underwear for the rest of the time that we're going through this. But I, I thought I didn't think the first joke was funny. But then when it immediately one hit punches you with the next one and she just burns off everything, I'm like, OK, <laughs> that yeah. that got me just from like I, I thought I knew what I was expecting and then it doubled down. <laughs> I, I thought it was just going to do the one joke to break up like a serious fight. And I'm like, OK, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Not my cup of tea. But then they double down on it. I'm like, this is ridiculous what you've done. Yeah. And now you're sticking with it continuously. You know what you're doing. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was the it was the placement of it in a in a necessary lull in the fight mm -hmm. that didn't break up the uh, tension because that is a downbeat in the tension curve. Mm. Yeah, and like I, the one thing I will tell about Fire Force, um, it knows what it is. Yeah. So like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once you start questioning it, it will immediately double down and say, how dare you question me? I'm just saying it, it has <laughs> never not been a shonen show that also heavily features fan service. Like, yes, you know, like you don't go into an etchy series and go like, man, why are there all of these women taking their clothes off? What is this? I'm here for deep interpersonal drama. And like, <laughs> this is the wrong journey, in the wrong you. place. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and the point that I'm trying to make is that the way that they wove that element of that fundamental part of Fire Force was done, was placed so much better yeah. and it didn't break up important emotional beats, which is no. what the problem was last time. In all fairness, the fight needed something. Maybe you can agree, like say it probably didn't need that. It needed something there because it got yeah, real no, heavy was, and mm. needed a breather. Yeah, that was a, that was a natural downbeat. So Fire Force did a Fire Force and that's why despite the fact that i didn't find the joke particularly funny it didn't bother me or lessen my enjoyment of the fight and in all honesty that's exactly how you do it you know everyone's taste in humor is different uh you know i mean back to our dragon ball episode but we had wildly different opinions on which jokes were funny or uh weren't uh, but I mean, one of the points where uh, there was a bit of a bone of contention of it was when they told the same joke three times in a row. And if you didn't like it the first time, you're not going to like it the other two. And then you're yeah. like, man, I really didn't like those three times jokes. And then you're <laughs> recording a podcast where your co-hosts decide we're going to explain it each of the times it happened. And I'm like, <laughs> please, God, kill me. <laughs> And and you know what? Fire Force didn't do that in this section, and I'm happy about it. Rekka is charging up his super. He's uh, dumping all his meter into this super. And uh, just as he's about to unleash his most powerful move, he, his arms freeze because uh, Lieutenant Flem has showed up with his thermoacoustic cooling. Um, there will... That that's how it ends, because what ends up happening is after after the downbeat of the joke, we get um, Shinra has to, you know, do his Hail Mary. And um, the thing I really like about this and the reason I wanted to bring it up was like the strategy in the fight was really good. The fight choreography was excellent. And the and like Shinra's like, I had like I can't beat him head on. He's stronger than me. That's just absolutely true so i have to come up with some kind of uh strategy to overcome him and he realizes you need your feet planted to put power behind your punches and i can fight in midair because i have air mobility by you know expelling fire from my feet and he you know he knocks Rekka down and like that should be the end of the fight and 
Rekka gets up again anyway, uh, but, bef- uh, you know, like, Shinra is spent, and it's like, oh, crap, this might damage me permanently. Uh, I was getting I was getting Deku flashbacks, but then uh, Flam arrives and uh, freezes Rekka in place. Rekka is ready to uh, evaporate the ice, even though that will steambroil him, because, again, he is a zealot, uh, and Flam just finishes turning him into an ice block. Don't worry. I left air holes. How? <laughs> I, I left air holes so that we can uh, take him back to the cathedral and uh, get some information out of him. Boom! And uh, um, he's been silenced. We get probably my favorite panel in the manga. For it's a just, really good panel. Yeah, it. There's an explosion after a flash and the reaction shot of Rekka in the ice block, still with like his teeth grit in his zeal mode and a massive hole punched through his chest and out of the like foot of ice that the rest of the hole is in this perfectly circular hole his blood is pouring out of it like a tapped tree trunk mm-hmm. it's uh yummy if you, yummy if you guys have ever seen an ice luge where they pour like alcohol down at the top to make a drink it's exactly like that like the sport of liquid at the bottom mm-hmm. i'm like oh yeah <laughs> you know if it, you hang out in those in those circles I mean, yeah. I, I would assume everyone does. That seems like a very normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. It is. I am so glad I'm a hermit. It is. A, it is an incredibly brutal panel. There was a lot of panels in this reading I wasn't ready for. Some of them were Barbie doll anatomy. Then the others were this. <laughs> <laughs> Though I personally, the thing I I enjoyed was the next bit where we get to see uh, we get to see our fire snipers because uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the way that he the way that he prepares his attack is so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. These mysterious figures in white hoods that uh, one of them creates a, sn- a bow and arrow out of fire, like drawing it out of his fingertip in order to snipe at, from an immense distance, apparently with the speed of an arrow, but the force of a um, RPG missile. It's like it's like a cannon. It's like a cannonball cannon, especially considering we saw the hole it left in Rekka. Yeah, this is this is the part where our third member of the trio that always has all three of them actually becomes relevant uh, because yeah, uh, it, uh, the snipers are still raining fire in in order to silence everybody. And uh, Kareem is about to get hit. So Lee lends him a hand and knocks him out of the way. And, uh, and, uh, his uh, arm gets sniped off. <laughs> still too soon, Sam. Sam. Is, is what Sam's trying to say here. Um, I, I love that this character, I don't know, comes in with a fedora and just goes, Flam, I'm going to save your life. Hey, you're the guy from the photo. And I'm like, who is this character? Yep. And his arm gets shot clean off his body. They finally decide to get down. I understand this is happening over a brief handful of seconds, but come on. How do you not immediately dive for cover after what happened to Rekka? Especially because I think Flam starts talking as if he is constantly aware of how to deal with sniper combat. Mm-hmm. Well, the the way that I feel like this would probably play better in animation, because basically the way it goes down is everyone else is looking around confused and panicking and Flam is ordering them to get down into cover. And in the time that he gets that sentence out is when the uh, sniper goes for him next. Mm hmm. I, I feel like I feel like it's probably like the economy of panels uh, makes it seem like they're standing around for longer than they actually are. Because we do we do get like a two page spread of the of the like charge up of the 
the bow sniper shot. I really like the way that they get out of that situation too. They're able to uh, get in cover and uh, the snipers are pinning them down, just peppering shots into abandoned warehouse. The way they're able to all get into cover is Flam tells uh, Shinra to basically make a smoke screen and they uh, get behind some pillars. And then he tells Tamaki to use her flame tails to, like they know where the fire is coming from, Send your flame tails in that direction, but don't go directly towards it. Take a take a zigzaggy route. Mm -hmm. This will prevent you from be from revealing your position and uh, help us start threatening them. Uh, he he then before the the flames are able to get there, he freezes them so they're basically big zigzaggy arrows pointing in the direction of the snipers. And even before he explained them, like. Oh, that's really clever. They're snipers. They don't want to be, you know, they don't want to reveal their position that because one of their one of the people there is so badly injured, they don't have the time to fight these guys. They need to leave. Ah, yes. You know, snipers, they are a superstitious and cowardly lot. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, because like one of the things is like, Tamaki's flames, like Tamaki's not weak, obviously, but Tamaki at that range is not going to be able to actually do damage. So what Tamaki flames... also was choked out earlier, so she's definitely yeah. not a hundred percent. She's mm -hmm. she's not in good condition, and she's not trained for long range combat like that. Like she's not, you know, her power set isn't built for this fight. So Flam basically uses it as a bluff, and the ice can can is blocking sight lines, which will help them sneak away if it doesn't get the snipers to leave. It's really clever. It is. But uh, anyway, they all uh, they all make it out. And mm -hmm. uh, the arc kind of just fizzles to an end because they're like, and then we uh, we had to leave um, our training thing because obviously we weren't going to keep going after uh, one of the, the, the lieutenants <laughs> of the company we were in was murdered. <laughs> yeah. And another uh, was disarmed. Yeah. Ah. There, there's one thing that happens that um, it, it's built up to like it's going to be a bigger thing, but it's handled sort of swiftly. The notable thing is that one of the snipers says, well, whatever, we silenced Rekka. Let's get out of here. The pyrogenesis festival to the sun god is beginning as planned. And, and that, uh, didn't, that didn't end up being as much of a plot point as I thought it was going to be at the time. <laughs> Yeah, and immediately uh, we start receiving calls that uh, absolutely titanic infernals with multiple cores in them have started appearing in uh, each district of the Special Fire Force. They are then proceeded to be killed all in a page. We yeah, needed to show all of the captains doing cool. Yeah. Yeah, I get the feeling that this it, it, it feels like it's some sort of distraction for something that's happening. And we know that this weird cult it does lots of uh, obfuscation. So wheels I've, within wheels. Wheels it also could wheels. easily just be a proof of concept of we can make multi-core infernals. Mm -hmm. Like they made a like I don't think it's supposed to be like a. It wasn't supposed to accomplish anything. I think it was a show of force because. Yeah, like you can say like I you think the cult's being written weird, but like I, I think they've gotten to the point where they're aware. That I think what they happened was they started ramping up production because things were going in their favor. Hmm. And that's why people started noticing not they started rushing because they realized they were being noticed. I think they stopped caring as much. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess yeah. I should clarify. It wasn't really that the cult was being written weird. It's just I expected this to be more of a thing 
from a meta perspective. And I think another thing that's worth noting relative to that point is, strictly speaking, I don't think the cult really entirely sees the Fire Force as a direct enemy in the conventional sense. Like, they're they're operating on religious zeal and they know that the fire force will stop them if they were but like they think they're doing the right thing because that's the thing the cult actually could work with the fire force if all the fire force cared about was putting out infernals when they pop up because Mm -hmm. from the cult's perspective a infernal is a failed is a failed uh adola burst yeah you know, I mean, like when you look at it from the perspective of what Rekka was doing, he's putting out infernals. He's just also making some extra ones. And like, you know, like that's the whole it's an evil cult aspect of it. But like, I don't necessarily think that at least as as far as right now, they see the the special fire force as a direct enemy. They just know that the fire force is never going to side with them. So, you know, they're going to they're going to fight back when they're inevitably, you know, confronted about it. Speaking of people who don't like the cult, um, all of the captains get called together to uh, talk to the uh, fire pope. To talk to the sun pope. Yeah. Uh, though, uh, Matt, I know that you had uh, some feelings about uh, Lieutenant Hinoa's participation in oh, the right. giant infernal. I forgot. Hinoa. Because <laughs> uh, they just let everyone. I completely forgot. The section is where they do all the like, here are some side characters to do cool things. Hinoa takes a shotgun to shoot the infernal and essentially goes like, no one else needs to take care of this. I'll take care of him with a shotgun. Proceeds to fire his shotgun. And then uses his acceleration, which is supposed to accelerate the gas in the bullet chain, but it's on shotgun pellets. Mm-hmm. Sure, they've already left the barrel where that There's doesn't matter nothing. anymore. They are chunks of metal. What is he using his firepowers on? <laughs> well, all I can think of is that the spark that would be charged from the gunpowder being ignited. That doesn't help once it's out the barrel. Like he could make the explosion bigger. I don't understand yes. why he can make the shotgun pellets move. <laughs> because because the panel zooms in on the pellets themselves after they have left the barrel. Like, it doesn't matter how hot you make the fire in the barrel. The thing that causes the projectile to move forward is the fact that it is directed down the barrel. Once it's out, you can't do anything about it anymore, which is why him redirecting the bullets also doesn't make sense. Like, like I'm willing to, like, believe when he was using, like, his pistol, he's got, like, modified bullets that somehow take the chamber with them, I guess. Like, to keep having the, essentially, they're mini rockets, not even bullets. Like, I'm willing to suspend disbelief for that. Like, if portal turrets can just shoot the entire bullet because it makes more sense from them, sure, why not? Um, (laughs) But, like, he makes shotgun pellets go faster. Because of reasons. Fire powers. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, Hinoa and Obi noticed that there was the shadow of a man in a white robe and hood in the giant infernal shadow i I don't know either way i've been i've been particularly complimentary on fire force uh even on to the i looked for the detail and they made a point of not showing it i'll explain why i thought that was pretty cool later but one thing i i do have to complain about i looked really hard for any sign of the white robes in that montage there were places you could have placed them in the clutter of the flames they were not there (laughs) 
mm-hmm. watches someone on Twitter points out the the one I obviously missed. But uh, the captains are convened to go to the Sun Vatican to talk to the Sun Pope uh, about this whole evangelist situation. Because Rekka does name drop the evangelist during the battle. The particular flavor of crazy that Rekka is, is he presumes everybody is on his side and that any resistance is just them going through the motions. But they understand that Rekka's really the good guy here. Like, that's that's the kind of crazy that he is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, uh, the, the evangelist wants this. You know, everybody wants what the evangelist wants. Let me explain to you what the evangelist wants. Exactly, exactly. But um, we get all the we get all the captains brought in uh, and um, yeah, the the sun cult for one, we see the uh, <laughs> the it's the Tokyo Empire. They, they yeah, this the is Tokyo the part Empire. where they, they really start. They really start doing the hardcore yeah. world building of uh, this is the Tokyo Emperor and, and the Sun Pope is the emperor of the Tokyo Empire. And they, well, they really want you to know that it's a Tokyo Empire now. Not, Jap- not yeah. Japanese. It's the city of Tokyo is the empire. And um, we also see the perpetual thermal energy plant Amaterasu, which produces all of Tokyo's power. And look, I don't mean to presume, but if I were a doomsday cult trying to turn the earth into a second sun. <laughs> he does in his free time. That's where I'd. <laughs> that's where that, I'd work. That, that's where I'd work. Oh, oh, I, I would I would work at a uh, at a gigantic power plant that uh, we find out later has an Adola burst in it named Amaterasu. <laughs> It never, never would find you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, is that like a fire? I'm like, no, that's that's definitely a baby. (laughs) That's that's a person in the center of that power plant. Mm -hmm. Nothing to see here, folks. We've at the beginning of the solar age. Yeah, that's the that's the solution to the the modern energy crisis. We just need to burn the babies for power. <laughs> Unfortunately, what you should really burn is something you have a surplus of, and the birth rate has declined worldwide. <laughs> oh. If anything, you should burn the geriatrics for power. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but they're all like skin and bones and old. There's not a lot there left to. You know what? No, we're moving on. We're moving on. Isn't it a little too Machiavellian for you? <laughs> we're solving real world problems. Yes. Mm-hmm. nobody take this clearly farcical joke out of context please <laughs> but yeah uh all the captains and also our main characters except arthur because he got lost looking for Rekka. He, he's gone for like two chapters in a row i was so expecting that to be the beginning of a new plot arc i thought arthur got captured or something no he just got vanilla oh, lost i'm so happy <laughs> obi is just like i'm sure i'm glad arthur finally came home why are you referring to him like he's a pet because because he is a pet also in all fairness to arthur when they say he got lost that's because shinra just flew away yeah (laughs) arthur well well, they split up in order to find rekka and um, yeah and then arthur got lost when he was on his own arthur is the uh dalmatian mascot of the of the fire company Mm mm-hmm but yeah, uh, all the captains are here. Uh, also, Lieutenant Flam, uh, Shinra, and uh, Tamaki, because we're doing a big debrief on this situation. Uh, everyone's uh, praying to uh, praying because they're in this big fancy cathedral. Except the 
captain of company seven who he's too cool for this he's too cool for this they arrive and uh all of the fire force people like salute to the emperor and uh uh i forget if it's the emperor himself or one of the um one of the uh fire cardinals who says it but somebody is like uh we understand that you know you have your habits of procedure but we're in a holy place perhaps a prayer would be more appropriate and then they Mm -hmm. do the thing yeah i Uh, like their little i like their little hand fire symbol prayer thing that's that's pretty Mm -hmm. fun sovereign of the tokyo empire raffles the third and he is the sovereign he is also dressed like the pope so yeah just papal states straight up uh sun pope sun pope and he's like all right so we found out about this evangelist uh all the fire companies are to consider the evangelist a traitor and strike him down and the captain of uh (laughs) company seven is like uh didn't ask plus l plus ratio uh later losers church to god everyone here i ain't swear fealty to no empire and no sun god then then how'd you become a captain of a fire company they're setting up like the politics of this world and like he's like a proto-nationalist yeah or he's a proto-nationalist yeah that's what they specifically call him and it's like fire force is either going to care about that and bring it up again and when they bring it up again i'll pay attention to that sort of thing or it's just some wacky nonsense. I'm kind of assuming it's wacky nonsense right now, but we'll see. <laughs> Indeed. But uh, he leaves and uh, the, the fire doctor captain is just like, hey, Shinra is going to be in a lot of danger, isn't he? We should come under our protection. Yeah, right? yeah, we, Where we've got, got all our science equipment so we can protect him. He's got he's got an Adola burst. He's going to be a target for the evangelist. We should take him under protective custody. Any pig. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Hibana like leans over to Obi and is like, yeah, you know how I was before you guys um, did a punch in the face intervention? Yeah, he's totally going to do that to Shinra if you let this happen. <laughs> and Obi, uh, actually, uh, company number eight will take... Uh, We'll see to the uh, protection of uh, Shinra Kusakabe. That's fine with me. Just make sure you find the evangelist and kick his ass. Yes, sir, your holiness. The other thing that's sort of important is that the Sun Pope knows about the uh, Adola Burst and he explains it because that's how we know that the uh, that the uh, perpetual fire generator uh, Amaterasu or whatever it's called. We know that that is powered by an Adola Burst because that's explained. Fire Pope already knew about all of that. How about that? Mm-hmm. And apparently the uh, Amaterasu plant is powered by an Adola burst that has been in there since the beginning of the solar age, which we don't know how long that is. But considering this empire now has its third sovereign, uh, one can assume at least three generations. It's been and- a minute. But and- has it? Is We'll get into this in discussion. We gotta We gotta talk about this. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Shinra is placed under the protective custody of uh, Company 8, so nothing changes. And uh, he immediately wanders off. <laughs> to go <laughs> get light bulbs. <laughs> like, you're, you're doing a great job with this protective custody thing, Obi. We are going to defend Shinra with our life. Go to the store. <laughs> I'm lazy. Hey, kid, I heard you wanted some plot information and light bulbs. Joker! 
<laughs> I, I, I love the panel of when he runs into Joker because Joker was like listening in through some other agent uh, to the meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Shinra's just walking down an alley and all, all of a sudden it's been a long time devil's footprints and it's just a battle of joker in his casual wear leaning against a, a building like teehee heart <laughs> and i'm just like uh manga, <laughs> manga uh, no manga no uh shinra immediately leaps into combat mode and um i i love the fact that they started with the heart it, i you know, I said Tiki heart because there's an actual heart in his uh, speech bubble. Because, because basically, basically all of the like, except for like the the like main mains of uh, Company Eight, everybody has a thing about their eyes. And mm-hmm. um, Joker's, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but Joker's gimmick is playing card suits. Yeah, and so his uh, speech bubbles have the other. Uh, suits in there i'm like okay you just started with heart but that that gives a connotation calm down calm down (laughs) (laughs) but yeah we get um uh i mean joker is literally like hey kid you want some plot information like he almost literally says that yeah i i I was being completely one for one is that's essentially what this scene is um And uh, he mentions that, uh, you know how uh, I implied that your brother show is alive? Well, I'm just going to tell you that that uh, I'm just going to remove the implication. Your brother show is alive. He's a villain now. Have fun with that, kid. In all fairness, he doesn't say he's a villain. He just says that the cult has him. The, the cult has him. Well, no, he says he says that show is the knight commander of the Knights of the Ashen Flame, which is the White Hood organization. He's like the military right hand of the evangelist. So he's doing well for himself. And we get yeah, he's this really moving up in the world. Yeah, we get, we get this, this really awesome set of pages where it's like the secret cathedral where the cult has gathered. Everything is in darkness and shadow. There's a flaming grail. Um, a man walks down a row of the of the white hoods holding a sword. And as they kneel to him, as they kneel to him and it shows uh, a boy sitting on a chair with a sword and he grins and he's got the pointy teeth. And I'm like, Holy manga! <laughs> just, just, just throw that right. The speed at which this manga will just be like plot reveal, plot reveal, plot reveal. Just pitch them at your face like at like thirty miles an hour after after like stretches of you know some pretty standard pacing. It it always catches me by surprise. The show got drip. I mean, the thing is, the way that Joker goes up to Shinra and says, "Hey, uh hey kid, you want some plot reveals?" is basically what this manga will do at intermittent uh points, not quite, but almost at random, like, "Hey audience, you want some plot reveals?" Yes, please. It's, and like I like honestly, I think that's a big part of the reason why I'm so engaged with the mystery because you know, it like it doesn't it doesn't just keep everything secret. It tells you things, so oh, it's like okay, yeah. but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll get more into it later. But the mystery in uh, when we get to discussion, but the mystery in this part really gripped me. I I, I am into the plot now. Well, 
Because here's the thing, like a standard series, what you would do is you would only tell the audience that show was the night captain after this, or you just play up the night captain for only for Shinra to realize at the end, oh, it was my brother. Meanwhile, Fire Force is like, hey, you know, it'd be a cool plot reveal in the future that I'm going to tell you right now. The person <laughs> you got to fight is your brother. Yo, deal with that. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he vanishes, says, hell is fitting for a devil, and then manipulates the f the smoke coming off his cigarette to spell bye in the air. <laughs> I love Joker so much. He's such a ham of a villain. He's He is an entire Easter dinner. <laughs> He's so hammy. Shinra is suitably, uh, screwed up about this he doesn't want to tell any of company eight uh hinawa is immediately like with my with my laser eyes i have noted that you are sad tell me why you are sad oh, i God. i love the moment that they have and also honestly it's it's oh yeah i'm i'm memeing about it but it is actually incredibly touching like like i was reading it i'm like my heart is warm <laughs> this is great <laughs> My heart is warm like a flame. I know that's I, bad in this. <laughs> One of the things I uh, liked about the whole situation is that Shinra's immediate response is, there is a decent chance that he was just lying through his teeth about literally everything he said just to screw with my head. Mm -hmm. But what if he's not, though? I've got a lot of stuff to process. <laughs> so like the the the, you know, the mental work that he's doing to like decide on whether or not like who can he trust? Will he trust everyone? Will he just trust Captain Obi? Like, you know, just keep it to himself. You know, it, it he kind of starts to come to the conclusion that it's like, I know what I'm going to do, but if I explain this to everyone else, they're either going to think I'll turn traitor or they'll hold back against my brother and it could get one of them killed and I wouldn't be able to uh, have that on my conscience. So I think I'm just going to hold on to this until I can confirm that anything yeah. he said was true. Yeah. And meanwhile, while um, Shinra is going through this like big mental debate about like, do I tell my team? Do I trust the people I work with? Uh, they're doing all of this paperwork and like investigation, reach, reading through things to figure it out. And my favorite bit is Arthur is on death's door because thinking <laughs> is not this boy's strong suit. <laughs> and they make him read and think all day. Oh, and my other favorite part is, as I called in our last session, through some plot convenience, Tamaki gets transferred to Company 8 because she got suspended for Company 1 for facilitating child abduction is actually, you know, a pretty fair thing to get suspended for. Yeah, uh -huh. I like suspended from company one, but like, you know, going to a different company, considering that she didn't like like she wasn't actually aware of what was going on. I, I, I mean, Jacob, not to be a bit too political here, but she is essentially a police officer who messed up. I just, yeah. just move them to a different division. Oh, no yeah, problem. no, this is this is this is exactly. Uh, this is exactly what happens. Yeah, it's uh, it's art imitating life. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of that in uh, in this manga. But um, no, my my favorite bit is the stupid joke they have because it's very like everyone's really stressed because of all of this, and Shinra's being more stressed than everyone else. So the atmosphere in the um, it's right after Hin Hinawa. Uh, confronts him and says if you can't trust me tell obi i have no place for someone who's not willing to be part of the team though 
Like, if you're lying to us, that's something I care about. Like, the team mm-hmm. needs open information. So the, the atmosphere is super tense. Hinoa does a good job of phrasing it in such a way that, like, like, like Shinra's like, is that a threat? But, like, it, he does phrase it in such a way that, that sounds heartwarming, though, which is kind of what... It, it could be interpreted as a threat, though, is the very important thing. <laughs> well, like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Company 8. I want you to like and trust us as well. Okay. Regardless, the atmosphere is tense because of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Maki picks up on that and she's just like, okay, everyone's probably hungry. We've been working all day. Me and Tamaki being the girls, as this is a manga, but this is how this is determined, are going to do the cooking. Mm -hmm. And then Hino was just like, are you sure you two want to? You know what? Yeah, fine. (laughs) And they go off and off screen. It goes bad immediately. <laughs> it takes two seconds, and then Shinra's like, what could possibly have gone wrong? Turns the corner. Tamaki has burned all of her clothes off, except for the apron. <laughs> so she is now naked in the apron. And That's a special Sh- type of talent. No, no, one, no one is sure how this happened. She gets pushed off screen, and then he knows, like, I guess I'm going to have to cook. <laughs> Ma- no, I love it, because Maki's like, how? I saw you put the apron on over your jumpsuit? <laughs> This makes no sense. <laughs> the part of this joke that I enjoyed was that Shinra echoes basically what the audience has to uh, uh, deal with when it comes to Tamaki, like her, her uh, like her bit or not. He just says, "Look, I've stopped questioning this. Don't oh. even try." <laughs> like, he just says it out loud. I just realized we skipped over my favorite Tamaki bit in all of this because uh, we kind of breezed over the beginning. Um, she had another Lucky Letters lure that wasn't really that funny on its own, but it was funny because what happened was she knocked on the door and Arthur went to open the door and she opened it anyway and like essentially got an upskirt from it. And Arthur is just like, what are you doing? You knocked on the door. I went to open it. Why on earth would you do would this? You open the door. <laughs> he doesn't react at all to the scenario itself because he's like, he's over this. He's just like. Why? You are doing this to yourself. (laughs) He stopped caring at this point. (laughs) And she stumbled away and knocked her ass directly into Shinra's face. And yeah. Well, you see, it was magnetic. Also, my other favorite bit is that's (laughs) the moment that causes bubble blowing guy and Juggernato to um, both have a crush on Tamaki and they try and get her phone number. (laughs) Yep. And by try to get her phone number in the most beta way ever by asking Shinra if he could get her number. Oh, I don't know, Shinra. If, if if you want my phone number, I guess I could give it to you. No, I was going to give it to this guy. Why? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Just ask me yourself then. That's what I told them. I like that they're they're keeping it like a subtle background thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's similar to the thing with Hibana where um, I don't I don't think that Tamaki like actually has a crush on Shinra. It's just she'd be willing to date him if he asked because of him rescuing her. Because she doesn't she doesn't act weird around him like Hibana does is the thing. I don't think I don't think Hibana has just a crush on Shinra. I think Hibana's got some other weird things going Fair on. Point. Fair point. But <laughs> the, yeah. the point I'm making, the point I'm making is there is I mean, this is this is a trashy fun shonen where, you know, like one of the elements of um like this type of shonen is an element of wish fulfillment and they're 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 doing the harem protagonist thing in a way that doesn't get in the way which i appreciate like if you want if you want to pay attention to this element of the story it's there for you but they never let it 
get out of control. And I appreciate that. I don't even know if I'd call it a harem. It's maybe two. One of which is kind of weird because it's maybe not even romantic. They set up the ship with Iris. They debatably set up the ship with Maki. And then uh, uh, overtly with uh, Hibana. And now there's like... Uh, like they again it's like they're setting up the ships if you care which i think is the right way of doing that but anyway uh it ends up um hinoa has to uh cook dinner for everyone they all eat and in this like everyone's eating so they're feeling better unfortunately uh arthur was fed right before he died uh, <laughs> and she was very sad about it if only they'd waited a little longer arthur could have been dead um <laughs> but uh in this like it's like a very familial bonding moment of everyone eating together and sharing a meal that Shinra is kind of like, yeah, I can't keep lying to these people. They're essentially my family. I got to be upfront, even if it complicates things. Hey, guys, I got something to get off my chest. Joker told me that my brother might be the arch captain of the cult that we're trying to hunt. And they're all like, that's cool. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite bits in this is uh, as Shinra is going to take uh the food to everybody uh Hinoa is doing the dishes and obi comes in like okay so how is shinra doing and great panel Hinoa's just like you didn't recruit any pushovers to company eight he'll be fine and i'm like oh yeah that was a really sweet moment i liked that a lot dad <laughs> <laughs> affirmation from dad yes yes both dads are very proud of shinra <laughs> but um but yeah, that kind of transitions us into um, they uh, the, the, it are, they find out something from all their research that they're like, ah, yes, the very first mission that Special Company 8 ever went on also involves someone with a white hood. Mm -hmm. mm, yes, so that mission sounds very important to the plot. Well, too bad. We need to give you a flashback of what happened slightly before that mission. <laughs> and then we'll just kind of rush telling you what happened on that mission. Oh, okay. Okay, wait, wait, we'll work with that. So, <laughs> time for backstory. <laughs> so, I just love so, how, like, the backstory is slightly misplaced. Yeah, no, it's not relevant <laughs> to what they're talking about at all. <laughs> so I bet you're all curious as to how Special Company 8 came uh, came to be. I mean, yeah, but we've got more pressing concerns. Uh, Lieutenant Hino, explain it to them. Why? Because you're a better speaker. No, but Captain, sir, we really do, do need to get work on this evangelist situation. So anyway, when I was in the military... <laughs> We then, we then give essentially a backstory about how two friends met when they're trying to find a cult. Like it's it's a good backstory, but like from a meta port, like the fact he's telling his subordinates this seems very out of place. Yeah. Family moment. That's why it makes sense. <laughs> I'm not going to say no to the backstory, but uh, fine. The backstory essentially, it, it it is very well written and it does a lot to... I mean, it's it's all things that have been inferred about Hinoa and Obi, but it confirms it like explicitly. And I, I appreciated like that. A, it's also got a, like a lot of subtle world building that I really appreciate. It's just people yeah. living in the world. But because it's a different thing than we normally see, you get like a lot of different perspectives that mm -hmm. when compared, allow you to like make a lot of inferences about how the world exists. 
uh, Hinawa had a friend in the military who was like, I, you, you're always so gruff and grumpy and serious all the time, but you've got a good heart. And Hina was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. There was a bit about um, uh, <laughs> my my original thought process was to go into a whole uh, diatribe about this, but I, I realized before we started recording that's uh, not ultra relevant. Basically, what it boils down to is Hinawa is reflexively kind to the mm-hmm. point where he doesn't even notice it himself. And mm-hmm. uh, this is the person who, like, is trying to awaken him to that truth. Mm-hmm. Which, um, he's not Obi, so... Uh... His friend who just decided he's gonna... He went to this new religion that's spouting out, which I guess it must not be... New, but the way this guy talks about the fire church is as if it's a new it- thing. It's kind of weird. I mean, religions take time to spread. I think it's, I think, uh... Like a wildfire. I I think this is the sort of... Because this is also a a, uh, visually much younger Hinawa. So we can presume that this was quite a while ago. Yeah, many years ago. Many years ago, and possibly even before, like, uh, Shinra's time. It's a bit of a subtle world-building way of showing, like, the differences between generations, because something that is new to one generation is the way it has always been to the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, uh, dude found this new religion that probably, I don't know, he found a new religion to him, and he's just like, yeah, no, I got my gun baptized. And I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> you you <laughs> took your military gun? To get baptized. I mean, Hinawa, if you went infernal, wouldn't you want to be shot with a ba- with a baptized gun? What a weird question. That'll never come up. Would you rather, be, if you had to be shot, would you rather the gun be baptized or not? What? <laughs> Hinawa's I, reaction I, is, a, is, quite frankly, a pretty reasonable one. I'm still getting shot with a bullet. I'd be dead either way. All I know is if I went infernal, I'd like to get shot with a baptized gun. Well, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Later that night, Hinoa's friend. I'm going infernal. Hinoa, shoot me before I lose my mind. We've got these non-baptized guns over here. We're going to shoot this infernal. Wait, no, no. Oh, man, I messed up. I should have used this baptized gun. What? He didn't have his friend's baptized gun. Yeah, no, it... He, he couldn't he couldn't pull the trigger because uh, he his gun wasn't baptized. And it's like I uh, for some reason I can't do it. It's almost as if we had this big character moment earlier, literally that day. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, the firing squad arrives. I love how this moment causes him to go from zero to 60, though. He instantly goes to the um, man at arms and is like, hey, I'd like to register my friend's gun in my name. Well, you are in the army, so this is something we just let people do. Here you go. Have your friend's gun. And I'm like, what? Okay. Well, <laughs> and then well, he proceeds he... to take that gun and just walk around the city with that gun. He's he's just on a break. He's yeah. just walking around with that gun. Um, be, be, being, con- being contemplative in his grief. In all fairness, he is in the army. It is probably his service pistol. So him having it on him is not weird, like, but like the fact that they just gave him his friend's gun. Yeah, there are there are red flags that maybe someone should have uh, been paying closer attention. The the red flags immediately pop up because there is an infernal going off and some stranger comes up to him. It's like, hey, there's a dude in that hair who's got an infernal. You want to come help me kill him? And he's like, I do have this baptized gun. (laughs) And I'm like, buddy. Well, the way it works is uh, there's Hinoa stumbles onto uh, an infernal situation and the the blue stripes show up and it's like, so 
uh, th- this helpful fire uh, fire chief of, from the regular firefighters walks up and says, so yeah, we've got two infernals. Uh, we've, one of them is, uh, one of them is far more aggressive and we've managed to contain it in a place that we've evacuated civilians from. The other is uh, more passive and is enduring the flames but he's right here you could go uh deal with him super quickly no that's boring we're gonna go do the boss fight now but this other person is suffering don't care didn't ask get out of the way okay then that's fucked up and uh obi goes to uh <laughs> cross uh jurisdictional boundaries and put that passive infernal out of his misery and he was like hey that's pretty justice of you i'm going i'm coming with aren't you in the military aren't you a firefighter yeah, okay, let's do it. You want to break laws together and commit a potential homicide? Heck yeah. And then they fist bump. And then they realize they want to be together forever. Oh There's strong romantic energy in this scene. There really is. And honestly, I am about it. I ship it. I ship it too. <laughs> yeah, they go and put that infernal out of its misery. To a friend who will cross police tape to commit a homicide with you. <laughs> Once all the blowback from doing that crime uh, pans out, I'm going to start my own fire company, one with better morals than these losers. <laughs> hey, when you hey, when you do that, I'll join you. <laughs> and I'm okay. just like, buddy, what? <laughs> Obi's just like, yeah, so that crime we just committed, once I deal with the consequences for that, I'm just going to become head of my own fire company. I know there's only seven of them now. I'm going to build the eighth. <laughs> and I'm like, buddy. <laughs> goals but what <laughs> <laughs> well i be- i believe in future captain obi and me too mo- mostly mostly because this is a flashback and i know how it ends <laughs> that's the only way i could have known this would work out well for him <laughs> yeah uh Hinoa also thinks it's kind of pie in the sky but uh hey uh it ends up it does end up panning out and uh, Obi resolves to only recruit uh, honest folk who value life, uh, not glory seeking psychopaths like the rest of those idiots. Hey, there was this really buff girl from my um, or actually she was skin and bones when she joined the army. Yeah, no, but- that, that was something I wanted to point out. She doesn't look different in the two versions like she looks she looks the same. They, they really only show that Maki is buff when she flexes. Or yeah. when she's in her witch outfit. You can see the six pack when she's in her witch outfit. But which like, but wait, never mind. I, I know, Jay, <laughs> you cannot tell the difference between Maki and Tamaki. They look like <laughs> twins, okay? One That's... of them has a ponytail, the other has pigtails, but yes. Which is twin energy. They totally would do that. than the other. Yes, not by much. They, they do look very similar. And the fact that their names are Maki and Tamaki is a little funny. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like having Dan and Stan in the fire company. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Obi and Toby. So that is the origins of uh, Company 8. Oh, yeah. And our first call that we ever went out on, the victim was a man in a white robe who left behind a weird red cross, just like those antagonists we fought. Captain, Captain Obi, I'm, re- I'm really wondering, why didn't you just give that two sentence <laughs> explanation about what happened in the first mission? Because it seems like you spent no time on it. <laughs> Anyway, that's the end of our reading. <laughs> there was one more important bit with the uh, the person in the white robes who burned, you know, like there was the Red Cross at the scene and that the white robes and the Red Cross is the reason why they uh, attached it to what's going on now. But the other element that was important is um, 
The person had absolutely no next of kin to speak of, but the company he worked for, the company that doesn't seem to do anything, was very, very, very uh, interested in uh, settling his affairs on their end and getting the getting, you know, the thing done and over with as quickly as possible. And it is a company that is in the territory of uh, Company 7, the the people who walked out earlier. So um, <laughs> basically, mm-hmm. basically, Company 8 uh, kicks in the door and says, uh, hi. I love this. The Company 7 captain uh, comes home after wandering through town and uh, his his lieutenant is like, so yeah, Company 8 called. They want to come over and do some investigation about the whole evangelist thing. Uh, just ignore them. That's such a pain in the ass. I don't want to deal with the... And then turn of the page. <laughs> Obi walking in with the crew behind him. Uh, excuse us. We're Company 8. We called earlier. Sorry, but we're here. Excuse me. <laughs> the next arc is starting now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That is... That is... That is it, Fire Force to a T. No, it is Fire Force to me, a T. sir. We're not going to go through proper channels. We're invading Company 5. The next arc is starting now. <laughs> this is just such a Company 8 thing to do. It is, uh, uh, I am respecting you as a fellow fire company by calling first, but I'm asserting my authority as the protagonist company by coming in anyway. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you saw what we did to Company 5. Do you want us to just <laughs> an unsanctioned military raid of your establishment with live ammunition hey 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 that was a training exercise it's completely mm-hmm. different completely different yes it was retroactively called a training exercise. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but that is uh, actually the end of our reading and so uh on to discussion uh favorite character and favorite fight obviously the shinra raka fight is the best one I think I'm even of the mindset. I don't think there is even another fight in this reading. Like the the one with Captain Burns at the beginning isn't so much a fight as like. Well, mm. I mean, th- that was the only major fight. I do want to uh, if if we're all in agreement that the only you know major fight in the thing is the best one. I will shout out a second favorite mm-hmm. because um, I really enjoyed the very first like beginning of the next arc mini fight that uh shinra had with the infernal in the very beginning because um they like just like the way that uh they did shinra's like fighting style and how he uses mobility and moves his body to like kick from unexpected angles and things like that was just so well done in this section i i'm pretty sure it was great in the last section but it it just stood out so much this time indeed Indeed. But uh, as for favorite character, I got to I got to go with Captain Hinawa. I or uh, Captain uh, <laughs> promoting him. <laughs> Lieutenant. That's that's in the future when Obi tragically dies. <laughs> or is promoted to space pope. Wait, no. Is yeah, the sun, sun pope. pope. Sun pope. Uh, yeah. Space pope. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be space pope instead of sun pope. Well, that's, when, that's there's, when there's a second star, uh, <laughs> some kind of living sun. Which is definitely nothing that exists in anything else um, Okubo has uh, written. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Lieutenant Hinoa is absolutely my favorite character in this reading. Uh, He was already a very entertaining character last time, but he hadn't like ascended to uh, favorite status. In this, he got so much like depth added to his character. He was uh, part of so many just heartwarming moments uh he, he was great i love tino on this jay how about you favorite character favorite character hands down is shinra 
because I wish him all the success in the world. And his, he is inspiring. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Jacob. That's that's honestly a rough one for me. Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I mentioned this last time that whilst the characters are definitely good and I don't have like specific compl- like not that I dislike the characters, but I don't know entirely that the characters are the biggest strength of Fire Force. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, like, good. I like them, you know, and it's it, you know, there wasn't a character that like really elevated themselves um, in particular. But um, there were three that did stand out in my mind, and that would be Shinra for all of his cool hero moments. He he was just really on point this time. Rekka for being such a spectacular villain. Mm-hmm. And it's probably going to surprise people, but Tamaki as well. I did not particularly find her jokes funny, but she definitely had a really cool character arc of um, coming to realize that, you know, her hero was actually as evil as it gets and was up against someone who outclassed her and couldn't like do a lot of like physical stuff. You got to save that for Protag Kuhn over here. But, um, you know, she really, you know, she really shined in a sort of, you know, like defiance in spite of being completely outclassed sort of way. And I really appreciated that of those three who I most appreciate, probably Rekka, um, in all honesty, he's just, like, he's just such a spectacular villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, last or, time it was Hibana, but we just didn't get enough fun stuff with her. I want to see more Hibana. I'm not going to lie. For for how quickly Rekka showed up and was subsequently knocked back down, it he left an amazing impression. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say him being gone feels like a giant hole in your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> and Matt. Oh, um, I mean, uh, like honest answer is probably Tamaki. Uh, she's got like a lot of fun bits. I appreciate her jokes in this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a problem with her jokes last time, though. So, eh. yeah, yeah uh, that's very much an acquired taste moment. <laughs> yeah, I'll. I'll the jokes were the jokes were better handled and they didn't they didn't perturb me this time. So, yes, yes. yeah, that's I, I a, believe this went better than our last Fire Force episode where I think me and Jacob almost got into an actual fight over this. It's, it's clearly gotten better. Uh, yeah. But, uh, um, and then uh, but like she also had some great character moment. Uh, I really love the trope of like someone you idolize turning out to be a monster and dealing with that. And mm. then she gets fired from her job and has to work with uh, Company uh, 8. And that's always fun. Uh, just because she just got mentioned, I'll also go um, for background characters. I'm so sad my boy Arthur got delegated to that in this, but uh, <laughs> I loved his bit. Every time Arthur is on the screen, he's doing something funny, and I loved it. Um, and then uh, not uh, Noto is uh, really funny. I love him so much. I loved him last time. I didn't think he got enough. And then he showed up here with the, I just want firefighters to protect me. No. <laughs> the bit about wanting Tamaki's number is also really funny. Yeah. Thoughts about the, or any theories about the spontaneous human combustion thing? What, what in the goddamn so, is going on with that? So can we establish how long has the human, human combustion been going on? It can't be that long. Mm-hmm. Because um, the, the special company is a recent development. We learned that last time. I'm yeah. pretty sure I'm pretty sure what's going on is that it's accelerating. I don't think it's been a crisis for very long, but I do think it's actually been going on for a while. So here's the thing. I kind of was wondering at this point, are people even naturally spontaneously combusting at all? 
Mm, uh-huh. Or or are they or are the bugs just the next version of what's already been happening? It's like if this cult is acting, maybe they've already been doing this. And like, that's why pe- I thought, mm-hmm. did we get established last time if spontaneous combustion was what caused the world to fracture or did the world fracture because of war? And then what they're dealing with now is fear. No idea. Yeah, I don't think that was explained. I don't think that that was I, I, I they definitely didn't say specifically what was going on. But I think the impression that I got from the reading was that the world was in a bad place. It was really tense. Uh, one little thing going wrong uh, would have caused everything to fall apart. And then people suddenly started t- randomly turning into fire demons and killing everyone around them, which caused the world to fall apart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, that that's sort of the impression I got. And that like it started off as an extremely rare occurrence. But as time has gone on, it has become more and more common. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the world reformed around that truth. And that's how we have the solar age. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the, the sun church definitely got popular with the recent human combustion. Mm-hmm. But I think infernals are a new development i think maybe people were exploding into fire before yeah but not turning into infernals okay yeah that's I, I think maybe that's it because otherwise the timelines are kind of weird to me because like we've got like this empire has existed for at least three generations and and that's curious because there's also the three generations of pyrokinetic which well, i don't know we talked about those last time <laughs> they're, not actual, are, they're not actual generations yeah me and yeah. jay are of the opinion that like degrees would have been better because first mm-hmm. second and third degree is yeah. already a fire term but like as as we got in uh this this chapter one of the volume bonuses at the end is um okubo going uh yeah so fire force is uh international now uh as you see uh on the cover i changed maki's head plate so it no longer says fire soldier it says fire force uh because someone told me in english fire soldier sounds really stupid hey and, like, <laughs> he's open he's open to criticism constructive criticism that is dumb. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. and he's just like, yeah, no, uh, they said fire squad or fire force. And then explained to me that fire squad is like a really small military group. So I'm like, fire force. Cool. I don't care as long as it's and like, well, doesn't that you can't just change that mid story. What about your integrity as a writer? He's like, if it's cool, I'll do it. <laughs> you know what? I vibe with that. I appreciate I, that. I, Okubo is is a man who knows he wants to write a story and will do it anyway. And I'm just like, he knows what he's writing. He mm-hmm. is not apologetic about it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There, there's yeah. something deep down in me that kind of appreciates a writer who does not just bow to his fan base. Well, I mean, it's mm-hmm. also the fact that people need to accept that this there are definitely enough of a, a subset of writers who generally are just writing to have fun. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely under no impression that uh, Okubo wants to. Uh, he does he, have themes he wants to touch on, but that is not the point of the writing to him. This does not come off as a deep exploration of a theme that has, you know, lived in his head for a long time. This is he's got themes he wants to do stuff with, and he's having fun making a cool shonen manga in the process. Yeah, yeah. But, in other uh, words, yeah, uh, it's not uh, that deep, friends. It's not yeah. that deep. Have fun on the. On the uh, spontaneous human combustion thing, I kind of have to ask what came first, the chicken or the egg? Did a group of maniac fire cultists or possibly like scientists that evolved into a uh, religious cult into into a religious cult? Did they figure out how to give people firepowers 
or did this spontaneously begin and the doomsday cult sprang up around that? Because one of the things that I actually really like about this is um, th this is always something that you kind of you kind of know that this is how these things go in the background that the hero and the villain or the protagonist and antagonist, they don't begin their schemes at exactly the same time. Mm. By the very definition of the word, the antagonist has done something that must be responded to. Mm -hmm. This plays with that really well, because it very much feels like the the doomsday cult is already on like step five of their mm -hmm. plan. And just now the fire force is like, uh oh, <laughs> we so, we need we need a plan. We don't even have a step one to get on. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, Doomsday Cult has already been like, we're no longer in hiding. We're attacking you with white hooded figures with eight times all eight captains like mm -hmm. yeah. it really makes the world feel like a continuous thing it makes you feel like there was a past to this and mm. it obscures the hand of the author very well yeah i i will say like fire force I, I i think i can confidently say like of the series we've read i think it's got some of the best world building oh because it because it feels natural and like in a lot of shonens you don't get that because hmm. in, in all fairness i i've defended other shows before this you don't get the time to do that in a lot of things fire force Starts with a very simple premise, but like at every point, the world building is there. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You probably can give uh, Okuba some leeway considering this is his second series. So he had some clout going into it. He had some time and also not in jump. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we love you, jump, but, you know, I am. He, he I am a big lover and proponent of jump and uh, and constraints. We wouldn't have gotten the whole through Rekka if this was in jump. <laughs> well, and and, you know, like there there's the element of um, constraints, you know, foster creativity, but sometimes taking limiters off and, and just going for it, it, you know, gives you something special, too. And this is this is an example of that. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't really have a theory yet. I, I'm just very curious on the chicken or the egg question. Yeah. No. That's my kind of thing. I can't really come up with a theory because the timelines are not making sense to me. And I need to figure out what came before what before I can be like, OK, well, then mm. this is short of Amaterasu is going to be a like ninth level entity fire user who is going to fight some people in a really cool God battle. That's all mm. I know. That's definitely <laughs> happening. Oh, yeah, that that's, is, that that's, is happening. That's the finale of the series. <laughs> So my theory is it my theory is uh, a bit more uh, specific to the actual events of this reading section and more specifically about the cult of the Ashen Flame or whatever they're called. I noted that element of we didn't see if the stitching that was a signature element of Rekka's uh, uniform uh, was there when the little uh, bug was uh, placed on the civilian. And on top of that, when Rekka and Flam were standing on the other side of that alleyway, they were kind of just standing there, not really, you know, reacting to, say, Rekka having just arrived or anything like that, and Shinra being right behind him. Whoever placed the bug on that civilian had to have run to be able to get away from Shinra seeing which of the two it was. That combined with a tiny little piece of dialogue that I couldn't help but notice when Flam arrived. We've mentioned the, you know, I've mentioned the kind of crazy that Rekka is. 
so I might be completely off base, but I think that maybe he was given that character trait to obscure this detail. Because when Flam arrives, Rekka says, why are you stopping me? And my immediate thought is, Matt pointed out how absolutely wacky it is the idea that yeah no those drugs were there to see if you were looking for people who had drugs yeah it is a tad too convenient i'm wondering because like we know that this cult is completely on board with eliminating their own members if they think it benefits them so the fact that he was a target of one of the sniper shots does not really give me pause in saying this I think that both both of them, if not more of uh, the company one people, were in on it all along. I think that Flam is is uh, a member of the cult as well. It is a very neat way of wrapping up the subversive element in Company One because now we've eliminated the subversive element in Company One uh, allegedly, and now this powerful member of Company One is joining us in our mission. We trust him now. We'll tell him everything we find out about the cult. Mm-hmm. He's in the perfect position to stop them. Like he's, he, I mean, like maybe he's a good guy, and I'm I'm totally off base. But if he's not, he's in the perfect position to betray them. So Jacob, I was with you right up until you said it was Flam, because I'm like, no. It's Lee. (laughs) There's only three people with that cloaks and two of those people were just standing there. Lee did it. And Lee's going to come in after he got his arm shot off and he's going to reveal himself to be the big bad and is going to regrow his arm into a flame fire. Oh, like that is also totally a possibility. And honestly, we don't we don't know Lee's power. He skipped his fight. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, like there there's definitely uh arrows pointing the big thing for me was why did he have the bug like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is so suspicious but like in all honesty it wouldn't stun me if all three of them were in on it they were all such good friends so yeah that's sort of that's sort of where i'm coming from from a theory crafting perspective i'm expecting my my primary Um, suspect right now is flam but you are right matt the fact that um the third guy i i just remember that he got his arm shot off i don't remember his name either lee lee definitely pointed out some really important elements of him him not fighting is uh suspicious inherently and, and we know that this cult is very good at plans within plans. But with all of this theory crafting out of the way, I've got another question here on the uh, outline. How has your opinion of Fire Force changed between this reading and the last one? Fire Force is, it has quality, it's good, uh, but I felt that it was very, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was very basic. It was a very, like, boilerplate shonen, and that's fine. That is in... Most things are going to just be mid, but now it has gone from that to we, we see all this great world building. We have this really intricate plot, this mystery that we are getting uh, appropriate amounts of information for at the right time. I am invested. I am sucked in. Uh, so I eagerly await our uh, next episode on it. <laughs> yeah, Matt here. Uh I don't know. I was a I was a big proponent of Fire Force last time. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I enjoyed it just as much this time with maybe like I'm a little more hooked and motivated to read the next bit because the mystery is all that deeper and like it's actually got some teeth to it this time rather than just the tease of it. So, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the Princess Hibana train and hopefully she can get more screen time next time. Uh, she needs more panel time. Come on. 
Yeah, every, yeah everybody, everybody needs, everybody I, wants to see more. I Christmas. mean, in all fairness, we did get a shower scene this reading, so I'm not, you know. <laughs> that was pretty good, not gonna lie. We did, we did see a lot of her in a literal sense, Look, I I'm suppose. just saying, equal opportunity shower time. <laughs> Where's Obi and Hinoma taking their lovely couple shower? Oh okay, God. okay, so I, I, I appreciate series that do that, you know, I... I have my own personal preferences, but I'd rather a series. I'd rather a series do something like what Eden Zero did. Exactly. Ne uh, ne next bonding moment for the for the group. Team shower. Everybody. Oh my everybody. god! Wait a minute. If they don't go to a hot spring, because yep. is it even spring. an anime? Well, is it's, it even an anime? It's Fire Force. They need to go to a hot spring. They have to go to a hot spring, and there will be some fire power associated thing with what makes the hot spring hot. They. Have to do that if not we need to check and see if the anime ever did an ova of them going to a hot spring because that's a filler i'll watch like yep absolutely how about you jay has your uh, opinion on fire force changed in uh not in the least <laughs> <laughs> i was already hooked i already see the fact that for me at least um as i prefaced the last time i did not finish all of soul leader because it just didn't, for some reason, did not, you know, draw me in. Fire Force did and mm. does. Not, not really right. a fan of moons. You like suns better, I see. <laughs> There's a metaphor in there and somewhere. A, no, and Jake. Soul Eater, they go to the moon and clearly Fire Force is being all about the sun. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, yep. liking the sun over the moon. There's a metaphor uh -huh. in there somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, OK, so I think I started the episode by saying that the vast majority of my complaints about Fire Force had been alleviated basically within the first half of the first chapter. I think it goes without saying that my opinion has gone from the mystery hooks me, but it, there are a lot of th things about it that annoy me that make me not like wholeheartedly on board with it. Uh, and I was really just hooked on the mystery and nothing else. Now, the... You know, again, I, I feel I feel that the fan service gets intrusive at times, but even that was so much better than it was last time. You know, that you know, that withstanding, this is my shonen trash, and the mystery has only gotten better. Mm -hmm. This has this has shot up to uh near Eden Zero in t in terms of uh my personal tier list. It's it's not there. It's not quite that high, but it is definitely massively improved in my eyes again just like the, the the fact that they the the first chapter does exactly the thing you know perfectly that i had complained about last time it, there's gonna be um it's gonna be a thing on the over manga cast where there's gonna be uh i'm gonna call a series a chainsaw man where we do one episode <laughs> and i'm the only one who complains about it because i'm actually doing literary analysis and and uh and you know I'm just saying, Jacob, Jacob, the more times that happens, though, I maybe the problem's not with the scene. <laughs> I, there's at least one case where I didn't like something everyone else liked, and I hated it more the second time. But we'll not get into that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is absolutely a, God damn it. <laughs> um, this is absolutely a chainsaw man for me. I'm I, I went from. Uh, so, I went from met to absolutely hooked. So safe to say we would all continue reading. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 
Cool. So thank you so much uh, once again for tuning in to the Over Manga Cast. Uh, if you want to follow us on the social medias, you can find us on everything where we are at Over Manga Cast. Uh, follow us for our high quality supreme posting and uh, announcements of what we're going to be doing next. Uh, uh, throw us suggestions on Twitter, uh, especially if it's something that you think I'll hate in the first uh episode uh and then loving the the rest of it because uh that's 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 a thing now i guess i suppose so <laughs> and uh we're also on youtube go like comment and subscribe and uh the comment section there a great way to uh keep in touch with us on an individual episode and uh make sure to tune in next week because we're keeping up the fire theme uh we are going to read burn the witch so uh, it's not an expl- uh, that's not an exclamation that is apparently a uh, shonen jump manga. By <laughs> mm-hmm. Kubo. Yeah, by Kubo. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I uh this one has been on my radar because it just looked like an aesthetic I very much enjoyed. It is uh London witches fighting dragons. This is going to be great. So tune in next week for that everybody. You said word all the words I like. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> tune in next week, folks. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.